Episode 8 of the Train Insane or Remain the Same podcast. I'm your host, Justin Trangsrud, JT Strength and Conditioning. Follow me on Instagram if you're not doing that already. And we got a really good episode today. You know, this is truly an episode where I learned a lot. This is another area of fitness that I don't know anything about. And this podcast is less about motivation and mindset Less about training insane, which sounds weird because that's the name of the podcast, but not a whole lot of that kind of talk here. We're talking about eating disorders today. I have Erin uh, Gallagher. She works with children with eating disorders, and she's also a group fitness trainer. So it's a good combo. It's a good mix, you know, because she sees all the kids with eating disorders and what social media is doing to kids and all that kind of stuff. And then on the flip side, she's also, you know, educated on the fitness side of things. She's certified as a personal trainer. She uh, talks about yoga certifications and group fitness stuff and all sorts of stuff. So she's very educated, very well versed in all sides of it, really, and uh, attacking the problem from all angles. And, you know, this is a podcast where when you guys listen to it, I'm kind of I'm kind of worried that I might come off as a little bit of a meathead, and I don't mean to do that. It's just some of the things I kind of I had to not necessarily push back, but give my perspective on it. And I also realize, you know, I am a very privileged individual. I've never dealt with any body issue things. I've never felt dealt with any kind of dysmorphia or eating issues or anything like that. Like I've always loved my body. I've always been, you know, very confident in my body. I was talking to somebody earlier today and, you know, we were just talking about how it's so weird when, when, when you ask somebody to like do a squat or something and without even trying, they're like, oh no, I can't do that. And I've never had that thought run through my head. Like anytime that it comes to my body and doing something with it, I I never think, oh no, I can't do that. I just think, well, let's try, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to fail. So I understand that I'm privileged from that aspect, you know, growing up playing sports, I've never had any issues with weight or anything like that. So I understand the way I'm going to come off in this podcast might sound a little meatheadish to people, a little insensitive to people, but it's just I'm I'm trying to learn about all this stuff just like you guys. I'm trying to get my eyes open to this stuff just like you guys. I mean, I do come in from my MMA experience and in MMA, you know, weight is it's a weird thing cuz we kind of we have this culture of weight cutting, right? So I fight at 170. And people will look at me, they're like, you don't weigh 170. I'm like, you're goddamn right I don't weigh 170. I'm around 200 pounds um, walking around. You know, when I'm when I'm at the end of a training camp and I've been dialing my diet in and everything, I'm walking around at, you know, 185 to 190 usually. So that's still, you know, 15, 20 pounds that I cut in about a week. And I understand that's not healthy at all. It's just, it's part of the sport. It's part of the of the culture of MMA. It comes from the wrestling culture, you know, weight cutting and everything like that. And it goes all the way up the ranks. You know, Alex Pereira just took the middleweight title. And that dude cuts like 40 pounds. You think me going from 190 to 170 is crazy? This dude goes from like 225 to 185. Like there are extreme, extreme cases of weight cutting in MMA. I remember I was taking a women's side class once in college. You know, I'm a procrastinator. So when it came time to choose classes, I waited until the last minute. I needed a psych credit. My choices were women's psychology or the psychology of death and dying. And I chose women's psychology. And it was the worst experience of my life. But I remember it was fight week. You know, I was 20 years old. I think it was my second or third fight. And um, when you fight, when you're cutting weight, you know, you kind of look strong out. You you get really gaunt. You get really skinny in the face. And you're just irritable. So somebody was asking me what was going on. And it opened up a discussion in the class. And the professor told me I had an eating disorder. And I was just laughing. I was like, it's cutting weight. You just, you don't understand. But I could see from the outside perspective how that could be interpreted 
as an eating disorder. And honestly, it probably is some sort of eating disorder. Um, it definitely changed my relationship with food. You know, I set the goal recently. I turned 33 the other week and I haven't competed in about two years now, but I've still been in that mindset of, I can't let myself get above 200 pounds. You know, I always told myself that when I was competing to make, not for any, any vain reason, just to make the weight cut easier. You know, if I get above 200 pounds and then I got to cut down to 170, it's, it's a bitch, you know, even when I'm at 185 cutting to 170 is a bitch. So I always told myself, don't let yourself get above 200 pounds. That's all that's been ingrained in my head for 10 plus years now. And even though I wasn't competing, that was still in the back of my head. So I set the goal very recently on my birthday to bulk, to really bulk, to really get up and do, uh, get to 225 by the time I turn 34. So I got a year to do it and I'm trying to, I'm doing it the right way. You know, I'm doing a caloric surplus, but not a giant one. Um, I'm doing 5,000 calories a day. And it's, it's a little bit of a mind fuck to be honest with you, because for so long, I've had it ingrained in me not to get above 200 pounds and I'm, I'm not checking the scale at all. Cause I know that'll fuck with me mentally. I'm just going to check it every month on the 27th. Cause that's when my birthday was. So I'll do the one month anniversary every month. And other than that, I'm not going to step on a scale, but it's still a mind fuck to just be eating and to see myself growing, to see, you know, less definition. The veins aren't sticking out quite as much. The ab outline ain't really there. It's still a mind fuck mentally. And, uh, it just, it kind of, it makes me laugh when I'm, when I'm thinking about it and I'm like, man, maybe, maybe I need to be a little more tuned in to, to my body and to my mind and my relationship with food and how I process things. Cause you know, being an athlete all my life competing in MMA for 10 plus years, it's always just been ingrained in me. Do not get above 200 pounds. Make sure like one thing that I've had to really get out of a habit of since I stopped competing is two a days. When I was competing, it was two a days every day. It was lifting in the morning, jujitsu or MMA at night. And if I couldn't make it to a night class, then I was going to do a quick cardio session. You know, I was going to get my two workouts in no matter what. And now that I'm not competing anymore, I've kind of dialed it back and just been training once a day, especially since my bicep injury. It helped me kind of dial it back and just train once a day, but it's still nagging in my mind. Like for, because I had, you know, 15 years of doing two a days, damn near every day. Now when I just train once a day, it, uh, it feels like I'm being lazy no matter how hard that one session is that day. So it's a bunch of little mind tricks that kind of fuck with you. And it's, uh, it's subtle stuff. And that's what we really talk about a lot in this podcast is how much of this is really just a mental illness when it comes to people, <clears throat> excuse me, people with eating disorders. You know, it's really easy to look at look at these people and be like, I don't get it. Why don't you just eat? Just like when we look at obese people, it's really easy to look at them and be like, I don't get it. Why don't you just not eat? Why don't you just go work out? And oftentimes it's not that simple. Oftentimes, you know, she compares it to cancer in this podcast, which is really good. Nobody chooses to get cancer. And if they, you know, if they beat cancer and then there's uh, the cancer comes back. We don't blame them. We blame the cancer. And it should be the same kind of thing with these eating disorders. You know, we we can't really blame people for getting it. We need to find the root cause of it and get to the bottom of it and just kind of support people and help people through these tough times. So it's a really good podcast. There's a lot of good information in it. Um, once again, if you're listening to me on it and you're like, man, Justin's a fucking asshole. My bad. It's just, you know, I'm a very blunt person. I was, I was trying to be blunt when I was talking to her. I was trying to bring up different issues and different things to kind of push back on, uh, on some of the stuff that I just didn't agree with or stuff that I wanted more information on or stuff that I just really wanted, um, like a blunt answer on. So like I said, good podcast. Aaron's a great girl. Um, 
very well educated, very well versed. So make sure you're following the podcast on all the social media platforms and make sure you share this podcast, get this information out because this is truly one that there's going to be a lot of information that a lot of people can take from and a lot of people can learn from. So once again, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever your social media is, follow the podcast, share the podcast. Next, uh, next episode after this is going to be another female. We're definitely diversifying the guests here, and she is a power lifter, so I'm getting excited for that one. But up next is Aaron Gallagher talking about eating disorders. All right, I am here with Aaron Gallagher, yep. and uh, you are both a personal trainer, social worker, um, and you specialize with kids. Um, eating disorders, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, it's going to be a really good, interesting talk. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your fitness background? Yeah. So, fitness background. So, I have always been a dancer my whole life. I've been dancing. Um, younger, I did like a, a wide variety of classes. High school, I did my high school's dance team. So, in high school, I was actually the the captain for a couple years, my junior and senior year. So that's when I fell in love with kind of like planning workouts, like planning the dances. I, I choreographed all of our dances. So that was my first kind of taste into it. And, mm. and I really liked it. I planned like our warm ups and what we did afterwards. I mean, I didn't come into it with a lot of knowledge. It was basically what I saw on like Pinterest, Tumblr, things like that. I mean, it still worked. It was still a workout. But um, yeah. And then afterwards, like I said, I, I fell in love with it. So I started to really start to lift afterwards too. Mm-hmm. I, I started lifting. I did a lot of yoga. Um, I started doing core power yoga. Um, and then I started doing like yoga sculpt classes. I don't know if you've heard yeah, that before. Yeah. Yoga so, with weights. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very like fitnessy based. A lot of times people go into it thinking it's like relaxing. It's not relaxing. It's going to kick your ass basically. <laughs> um, so I fell in love with that. So I was in college and I was saving money. I was poor. I was, you know, Paying for college, college student, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I wanted to do yoga sculpt teacher training, so I was waiting for a while until I had enough money. It was a big time commitment too. Um, so eventually, I did that. I think I'm coming up on about like the six year mark of when I did that. Oh, nice. So I did that. I fell in love with it. Um, it was something that I never expected to be like a group fitness instructor. I never saw myself doing that. Um, but it, it was so much fun. So I did that. And then afterwards, I started working at a yoga studio. So started teaching yoga classes. Yoga is not my forte. It's not my jam. Like I, <laughs> I like taking yoga classes, but I'm not that Zen yoga yeah. teacher. So for me, I, I would sub here and there. But I, I really like more of the fitnessy type based Pushing classes. Pushing people and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I did that for a while. The the studio that I worked with actually closed during COVID. So that's when I came here to, to Union. Um, I started, I, I had been boxing for a while. So I started teaching boxing classes here. And then I started teaching like strength classes, intervals, all of that. Somewhere along the line, I got my NASW personal training certificate. I think it was like three years ago now. Mm-hmm. I just got it for fun. Like I, I knew I never wanted to, to train people, but I knew kind of with all of the, the fitness strength components of what I was teaching, I didn't want to fuck anyone up. So I was like, I right. might as well add it just for fun. Um, so that was super helpful. I feel like I learned so much, it, even for my own lifting and my own workouts, that was so helpful. Um, but then when I trained people too, I feel like that was helpful. So yeah, I have kind of a, a background. I've done a lot of different things. I've taught yoga, yoga sculpts, Boxing, strength classes, yeah. a lot of it. So that's good. It's yeah. good to have a wide variety of yeah. just different stuff you do. Like I've been, I've never taught a yoga class. I don't have the personality, obviously, yeah. to teach one. I, I don't know the names of poses, but I've been yeah. doing yoga. I did yeah. jujitsu forever, so okay. yoga was kind of complimentary yeah. to that. And it can be so helpful. Yeah, and people yeah. kind of like they think it's easy, they think it's relaxing, mm-hmm. but when you're holding some of those poses, it's yeah. it's tough. You're it's sweating, so your heart hard. rate gets up. It's yeah. 
it's a good workout. Exactly, so exactly. It's good. Yeah. Good you got that that kind of comprehensive background. So you yeah. mentioned dance. Yeah. Um, how just like how physically tough is that? Because I think a lot of people they don't really know how much goes into dance. When they yeah. think dance, they think like high school cheerleaders yeah. and pom poms uh -huh, and stuff. Uh -huh. But yeah. you were like in competitive dance. Like yeah, it was breaking down routines and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was competitive. Yeah, I will say my high school we we were very chill. We're not we weren't the high school that was like winning competitions. We we did it for fun. It was still very taxing. Um, but we were not like I never would have done like U of M's dance anything mm -hmm. like that. But it was it was really tough. You know, you we had to work on our flexibility a lot. A, a lot of us were just not naturally flexible people, so we had to you know stretch a lot. We had to do dynamic stretches, statics, all of that to to really build that up. And then as well as cardio. So we did a lot of like kick dances, and they had to be I think like two two and a half minutes of like solid kicking after like 30 seconds, like you want to pass out. It. It's yeah. it's really tough. So we did like a lot of running, a lot of conditioning, and then just doing the routine over and over to, to really build that endurance. We, we definitely got it by the end of it, but I think the first time we would run through it, like the start of the practice, it was it was tough. You would, yeah. you would basically want to pass out. So yeah, it was, it was physically tough, um, mentally tough as well, but. Yeah, a lot of people will hear like two minutes and they're like, that's yeah. not that long, but. As a fighter, like, trust yeah. me, two minutes, you get a yeah. two-minute round, that's the longest two minutes of your life. Yeah, exactly. It's got to exactly. be the same. And you're on stage, you're performing yeah. for people, that yep. only increases your adrenaline yeah. and makes it that much exactly. worse. Um, in dance, like, did you have a coach, and was the coach mm -hmm. kind of critiquing you and mm -hmm. helping with form and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So our coach was great. She coached us. I think she was there my last few years. We had an, another coach my freshman year. Um she was really great. The last few years, like my junior and senior year, she knew that I had a huge interest in choreographing and stuff. So she started to call me coach by the mm -hmm. end of it because she kind of just let me let me do it. But she was very much, you know, critiquing us. And, and but she was positive. You know, she I, I hear a lot of horror stories about coaches being like body shaming and yeah. crappy and, and all of that. And she very much was not That's that. Good. So it was, it was, she was a really positive person to have. I was going to ask if in yeah. dance you ever felt like a pressure to be at a certain mm -hmm. weight or a pressure mm -hmm. to look a certain way or anything yeah. like that. I think so. I think especially growing up, I did more kind of just a wide range of, of stuff in high school. I feel like I didn't feel that as much in dance, but I think growing up, I, I definitely did. Yeah. I think that they're, you know, when you look online, when you see dancers, if you go to a show, they all have a very similar body type. Um, there's not, and I think now, you know, in 2022, we're starting to gear away from that. But back then, this was, you know, what, like 15, 20 years ago, everyone looked the same. Um, yeah. And and I think that, you know, you stuck out if, if you didn't. So, I, yeah, I definitely felt that growing up. Yeah, yeah. For sure. How old are you? I'm 26. Okay. So you're a little younger than me. Yeah. I didn't. I'm 33 when I grew okay. when I was in high school, social media, like we yeah. had MySpace. So yeah. there uh -huh. wasn't like, there wasn't, I mean, people still looked at like celebrities yeah. and compared themselves, but they yeah. didn't look at like, in, like Instagram wasn't yeah. a thing. And yeah, now exactly. that's kind of the basis of people getting body image issues. Yeah. So like when you were coming up dancing, yeah. you were going on like Instagram yeah. and seeing yeah. them just, and you think that's kind of where like yeah. the root of a lot of these kids issues comes from these yeah. days. I think so. I think social media plays a huge part of it. Yeah, that was something that I was thinking about. You know, as I was kind of thinking about this conversation too, because yeah, in high school, dance so much it wasn't you know where I struggled with body image. But I think just learning to be a teenager, a female mm -hmm. in America in this very diet-driven society, it, it was tough. So I was turning to Tumblr was big in my day. Tumblr yeah. and then Pinterest. Um, I spent so much time on there looking for different workouts, different exercise stuff. And I think it started, you know, in, in a good intention of, of wanting to, to make these changes. 
but I think it became very disordered in the yeah. way that I was doing it because I saw these people and granted, I still follow a lot of them to this day and they've gone through their own journeys, but they've said, you know, I had anorexia back then and, yeah. and I didn't know that they didn't know it. So I was trying to follow what they were doing and they were very much struggling with an eating disorder. So then I picked up a lot of habits that, that weren't great. Um, and I was doing a lot of comparing, I think on Tumblr, on Pinterest, I, I saw a lot of body types and I, I wanted to look like that too. Yeah. And it's tough and I didn't know anything about Photoshop back then. I didn't and now, yeah, I feel like everyone can Photoshop anything. Everybody you can Photoshop, does Photoshop. Yeah, and you can Photoshop videos too. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was a yeah. thing. So now I think, you know, especially, you know, I, I do work with kids with eating disorders. I, I hear it so much about social media coming yeah. up being a, a huge role. Yeah. I mean that's what I deal with as a trainer a lot is yeah. people will come the amount of of women that are in their forties mm -hmm. that yeah. will show me a picture of a woman in her young twenties and be like, mm -hmm. I wanna look like that. And it's like some fitness influencer and I'm yeah. like, what, what's your doctor look like? And you got the chemical help she's getting too? Cause they don't realize like, yeah, yeah they have Photoshop. Yep. A lot of them also have plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah, and then exactly. a lot of them, like people think steroids make you huge, but mm -hmm. there's tons of different steroids for everything. Mm -hmm. So a lot mm -hmm. of them are on different, yeah. especially cause with women, it seems like the cycle of the body type that they're mm -hmm. aiming for changes every couple of years. And yeah. right now we're in this really big cycle where yeah. it's like these five, two to five foot four mm -hmm. women who have ab outlines but mm -hmm. thick quads and they're yeah. squatting like 225 yeah. on social media and yeah. all these women are like i want to look like that yeah uh -huh. it's like you know she's on she's yeah. on gear yeah. right yeah. like yep. that's mm -hmm. just the way it works yeah exactly and it, you exactly. see a lot of that working with kids with yeah. eating disorders too like exactly. they're comparing themselves to these online personalities yep. Yep. yeah a hundred percent yeah especially tiktok tiktok mm. is huge nowadays and yep. i i personally spend way too much time on tiktok i need to to get away from it but i think it can be can be so toxic for these kids. I think that, you know, with, especially with the way that the algorithms work, you search one time and then they like know that you have an eating disorder and then you just constantly You just like something that. one time. Yeah. I was telling my girlfriend yesterday, yeah. like I saw, it was a 30 second clip of Bill Burr's stand-up comedy and it was like mm -hmm. a funny bit. So I liked yeah. it. Yeah. And then when I went through my TikTok feed, like the next 10 videos were him. I was like, what the hell? I don't like Bill Burr this much. Mm -hmm. What is this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Their algorithm and is addicting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there was a study done, I think it was last year. It was with Instagram's algorithm and it shows that it really targets people with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. It shows them a lot more dieting content, a lot more fitness stuff. So even if you stopped searching it, you know, Instagram still knows. So it still shows yeah, you that. Still picking it up. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I work with a lot of kids who see those, like what I eat in a day type videos and all of those fitnessy routines. And it's a lot of it, I feel like is, is shame based. A lot of people will say like, here's a workout to lose, lose your love handles to, yeah. you know, change. And I, I think that, you know, if, if you're struggling with an eating disorder, or even if you just have any sort of body dissatisfaction, you gravitate towards that. And you say, I hate my love handles. I hate X, Y, and Z. I want to do that. So I, I see a lot of kids, especially, you know, I, I have strong stances on the what I eat in the day type videos. I think yeah. they, they can be so toxic because I think that every person is so different. Every person needs such a different regimen. It's, it's not helpful to see what someone else eats and try to compare with that, right. essentially. Yeah. And especially when they get into like, do this to lose love handles. Yeah. Like if you have any type of background, mm -hmm. any type of education, yeah. you know, I just had this conversation with a woman yeah. Friday. She asked me if I could write her a workout plan to help lose her lower uh, love handle area. Yeah. And I was like, you can do as many sit-ups and yeah. Russian twists and yeah. whatever. Yeah, That's just where your body stores fat. Yeah, so unless exactly. you're dieting down enough to get to the percentage where mm -hmm. that goes away, like it doesn't matter what workout you do. Yeah. That's just not how it works. But then yeah. TikTok does all yeah. those videos. Exactly. Do this to lose yeah. your love handles. Yeah. Do this exactly. to have obliques. And yeah, exactly. That's just 
ridiculous. It's toxic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 How yeah. many um, do you see? It seems like now and when I like I grew up playing sports mm-hmm. and it's very different from men. Like you talked yeah. about how in in dance and in any female sport, really, whether yeah. it's soccer, volleyball, you feel yeah. like you got to be thin. You feel like you got to yeah. be this. Yeah. Growing up playing football, playing basketball, yeah. like there was never any pressure for me mm-hmm. to maintain a certain weight mm-hmm. or anything or yeah. anything like that. Do you feel like you deal more with girls on that side mm-hmm. than, than guys coming up? I think that's a good question. I think that we've seen a lot of shifts during COVID, especially we've mm-hmm. seen the numbers of eating disorders just they completely spike during COVID because people are locked away, you know, especially right when COVID started, people were in isolation. They had nothing to do but work out. Right. So that, that really drove it. We, we are seeing a lot of boys. I, I think that especially, you know, in the last year, I've seen a lot of boys. I've seen a lot of eight, 10 year old boys with, with full blown anorexia. And it's, that young. It, it's really, yeah, it's really sad to see. When um, you talk to them that young, like what's, what's causing it? Cause you're, when I was eight, I was worried about like the power rangers. I wasn't yeah. worried about what I was eating. Like what's causing yeah. an eight year old yeah. to be body conscious. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different factors. So that, you know, the things that go into eating disorders, a lot of it is biological. We've done a ton of brain scan, not, not me personally, but the field has done a lot of brain brain scans looking at you know someone who has an active eating disorder versus who someone who has never had an eating disorder their brains look differently the, the way that mm. they process things looks differently especially as they're starved the starved brain it, it just looks so differently so a lot of it is biological a lot of it is genetic too if someone mm. in the family had disordered eating or even just any other type of mood disorder mental health concern you're at a higher rate um, and I think it's society too I think mm. we just live in such a diet driven society that we see these messages all the time so it's really a combination of all of those different factors I think it's it's tough I think kids are maturing a lot faster too they have access to social media they have access to TV it's it's hard to say you know why kids are getting it younger um, but we've we've just seen it a lot more and I, I think especially you know we, there are a lot of females who struggle with disordered eating we've seen a lot of males too because I yeah. think that I think you know sometimes it is body image driven I think sometimes I have definitely had boys say I want to be thinner or it's it's I want to perform the best that I can mm. I had a kid who cut out all sugars because he his favorite athlete doesn't eat sugar and then it just escalated and it mm. kind of drove him he was in the hospital because his heart rates were in the 20s so it's it's something where it's can really just spiral so I yeah. think that yes it can happen for women it can happen for boys it can happen for any person anybody yeah. yeah exactly yeah eight years eight years old that's just yeah. that's crazy it's tough yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and do you think because like do you think it's more nature or nurture because mm. i don't know if you've ever seen the show it's called my 500 pound life where they mm. they have these super mm-hmm. obese people mm-hmm. and that show like really makes you empathetic to because a lot of people will look at somebody that big and they're like just mm. put the food down dude like mm. you're gonna die mm. but they do a good job of telling these people stories yeah. and all these yeah. people the common theme is some sort of childhood yeah. trauma whether yeah. they were abused or yep. neglected or whatever yeah. is it the same thing with eating disorders is there a lot of trauma that goes in with these kids there can be for sure i think that you know a lot of times people will resonate with the idea of control a lot of times mm. people can't control you know yeah. so many factors in their life but what you can control is, is food how much you eat what you eat things like that. I think that can be a piece. I think a lot of it is biologically based. I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of times people with eating disorders, especially, you know, I work in a hospital, so I see a lot of anorexia because that's, you know, you have to meet hospital criteria. So you have to be pretty pretty medically unstable to to be in the hospital. So I see a lot of kids with anorexia. Um, They all look pretty similar in, in kind of their personality types. They're all driven. They're all perfectionistic over-controlled people. So I think a lot of it is personality types as well. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it's, it's hard to say, you know, if you put two kids down and you give them both diet culture type messages, there's a chance one won't ever develop an eating disorder. Right. We all live in America. We all live in that, you know, diet. I, don't, I guess I don't know your podcast viewers, but we, us two live in America. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we all hear the same things, but, you know, not everyone develops an eating disorder. So I think, right. it's, I think it's really both. I think it's both, but I would say a lot of it is biologically based right. too. The control piece is interesting because I was talking to somebody um, who had a daughter that went through mm. it and she was talking mm. about, for her it was, yeah. food is what I can control. And yeah. I, I resonated with that, not on that level, but like yeah. the reason I'm such a workout freak is yeah. because growing up mm-hmm. wasn't always the best situation, but mm. the one thing I could control was yeah. I'm going to devote this much time to the basketball court, to yeah. the football field. Yeah. And then as an adult, like you're in your young 20s, you're broke, yeah. you're struggling with different mm-hmm. things, bad relationships, but I could yeah. always control those two hours in the gym. Yeah, exactly. And that's just what I've carried yeah. into uh into adult into like my 30s now it's yeah. still the same thing that's what yeah. i can control but exactly the the eating disorder part it makes mm-hmm. it's sad yeah. but it makes yeah. sense like this exactly. is the only thing they feel like they can control yeah exactly, exactly. do you see do you see more do you deal with more like anorexia people or bulimia mm-hmm. people which one's like the more common out of the two I guess in in the normal general population, I I, I don't know the data offhand, but I'm pretty sure bulimia is, is more common. Just because I work in a hospital setting, I see people who are the, the sickest of the sick. A, a lot of times their heart rates are really low. I see people with the, their heart rates are in the 20s, 30s, um, electrolyte abnormalities, um, just just a lot going on. So just because of the setting that I'm in, we see a lot of people who are, you know are very very sick with with mm-hmm. anorexia. Um, so that you know I typically work with a lot of people with we have anorexia. There's another subtype just because you know we, we still live in this diet culture we, we sometimes look at bmi so it, there's something called anorexia and there's something called atypical anorexia it's basically the same but with atypical anorexia it's basically just saying you have you haven't lost enough weight or you're not thin enough i'm, I'm using air quotes mm. right now it's it's basically it's the same disorder but the way that it's classified is in the dsm the way we diagnose things and in, in 2022 they still use bmi Cause that's it's, the dumbest yeah. way to measure somebody yeah, because I'm considered obese by BMI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would be too. Yeah, so it's just a stupid way to it's, measure it's somebody. It's bullshit. I think, you know, it's it, it's used a lot in research just because, you know. Because it's easy. Yeah, because with with these research studies, you do have to have strict metrics of how you're measuring things. So in, in research, it's, it's used, I would say the DSM, which is what we use to diagnose people, it's steering more away from that, which is helpful, especially in the DSM-5, which I think was released a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So probably now. Um, but they they removed BMI from the language, but it's still it's still kind of an idea. It's it's fucked mm. up. I think everyone who works in the eating disorder world knows that it's fucked or even up. the fitness or world. Fitness, yeah, yeah, exactly. Fitness like world, if I yeah. measured my clients by BMI, like yeah. it's, it's stupid because yeah. I'm I'm five nine, two hundred pounds, and mm-hmm. I'm considered obese by yeah. BMI standards. Exactly. But I'm like, Look at body fat percentage. Look yeah. at any yeah. other metric. There's so nothing. many other things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's it's something that you know. Sometimes it's it's in the back of the head. It's it's not particularly used, but. So one thing that I think is that I kind of want to focus on is the yeah. control part of it. Mm-hmm. These people having these control issues because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people, no matter what it is, if it's an eating yeah. disorder, an addiction, anything, yeah. it's the yeah. control part of it. Yeah. This is something exactly. in my life I can control. When yeah. you get somebody who has now used this and they're on. Mm-hmm you know, they're sick enough to be in a hospital. Yep. What's step one to try to get them to relinquish some of that control? Mm, yeah, so for a lot of these kids, they're very malnourished. They're starved, essentially. So what we do is we feed them. That mm. we, we say that food is your medicine. We, you know, especially in, in my field, my the way that I think 
food is food. I, I don't look at food as good or bad. It's, it's what your body needs to survive. So we give them, you know, a lot of these kids, they, they need a lot of nutrition to regain weight. So a lot of these kids, you know, I, I hope none of them listen, but it's something that so they need 2000, 3000, 4000 calories plus calories in order to gain weight essentially. So yeah. really it's, it's just making sure that we give them their medicine, which is in the form of nutrition. A lot of times when kids get so starved, you're in the starved state. There's been a lot of studies on it too. There, there was a study done like 50 years ago called the Minnesota starvation study. It's not ethical to do right now, but basically they took a group of people um, and they starved them essentially. And they saw what that starvation did on people's brains and their bodies. And then they refed them after a while. But then it kind of showed that, you know, when people are in this starved state, they're thinking about food a lot more. Yeah. They're thinking about their body all of this and, and none of these people had eating disorders before so they're kind of in this starved state right now we, we need to get them re-nourished as quickly as possible so they stop kind of thinking so a, a lot of times you know as we get people to regain weight a lot of the eating disorder thoughts start to sink a lot more to too, with, without even really doing a lot we mm -hmm. just need to get them re-nourished and then it's a lot of education too because i think that people will hear sugar is bad, carbs are bad, all of these things. And, and a lot of times people, especially with anorexia, they think so black and white. If you say something, that's that's the rule, that's the law essentially. And they, they feel like they're breaking the law if they go against that mm. rule. So it's doing a lot of education about, nope, food is your medicine. No, yeah. no food is good, no food is bad. It's food is food essentially. Sure. Yeah. And so do you do, how long are you working with these kids? Yeah, so typically the hospital stay is pretty short term. Our average length of stay is between only seven to 10 days when they're in this intensive hospital care. Um, it kind of depends what their follow-up care is. So I also do outpatient therapy too. So if they're stable enough to do outpatient therapy after the hospital, I'll see them on a weekly basis. Typically it's for like six to 12-ish months. Um, sometimes kids need a little bit more care because going from the hospital to being at home 24 seven besides a one hour therapy appointment per week, that, that can be a big drastic drop. Yeah. So sometimes kids needs to go into like a residential program where it's kind of similar to the hospital, but it's not as intense. Sometimes kids do like day programs. So it kind of just depends on the kid, on the family situation can be really tough too because a lot of times I'm, I'm working with kids teens their parents have to do a lot of it they have to refeed their kids yeah. it's not it's not you know realistic for every parent to be able to do that so sometimes going to a residential place to get people to gain weight first before they step down is, is more appropriate sure is there is there like a, a particular group of kids that you see more cases in like a particular mm -hmm. group of athletes that you notice it in or a particular mm -hmm. age range with kids or anything that's a good question. I think it, it'll go through spurts. I, I don't know kind of the overall trend, but some weeks we'll see a lot of like 13, 14 year olds. The next week we'll see a lot of like 10 and under kids. So I, I don't know, you know, in terms of age range, we, we really see it all in, mm -hmm. in the hospital. We, we see a lot of different age. I would say, you know, it has gotten younger as I've started. I've only been working in the hospital for a few years now, but it, definitely we're seeing a lot younger kids. More and more younger. In terms of sports, you know, I think a lot of the kind of the individualistic sports like the running and the the where you're kind of competing with yourself I think that mm -hmm. can that can have a huge role too like I see a lot of like track people a lot of cross-country people um wrestlers wrestlers for, for yes. sure um yep. that's that's definitely a big population but then I think that there's you know just a, a lot of kids can be so competitive I've, I've had a lot of soccer players a lot of basketball players mm -hmm. just a lot of different athletes too because that, you know, I think it makes sense that athletes can get eating disorders because just by nature, they're so driven, they're so perfectionistic, mm -hmm. which are a lot of qualities that people with eating disorders have. Yeah. I mean, wrestling is a big one. Yeah. It, uh, it's tough for me because being yeah. a fighter for so long, yeah. I, I didn't wrestle growing up, but yeah. I'm around wrestlers. I'm yeah. very invested in the wrestling culture. Yeah. And like, 
I get parents who come to me and they're like, mm. hey, my son is, you know, 10 years old and he wants mm -hmm. to start fighting. Mm -hmm. What's your advice? And I'm like, don't. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> don't. Because yeah. 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 it's just, it's, it's a really tough sport. And mm -hmm. I have a love-hate relationship with wrestling because mm -hmm. I do think there's a real value in what it teaches kids because yeah. it's very challenging. Like yeah. the kids that come out of wrestling are yeah. usually very goal-oriented, very yeah. driven. But the yeah. weight cutting is just... For adults, yeah. it's unhealthy. And yeah. I, I saw yeah. a kid, we run uh, wrestling at one of the gyms that I teach MMA, mm -hmm. and we run youth wrestling. And this kid mm -hmm. on a Friday night was doing mm -hmm. like, a, I'm talking like a 10-year-old kid, was doing yeah. like an hour on the treadmill mm -hmm. sweats because he had to make yeah. weight for a tournament Ugh. the next day. Yeah. I was just like, that. I would never do that to my kid. Yeah, I would, exactly. I would, and he was like maybe 55 pounds, maybe. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, mm -hmm. man, it's, it's a brutal sport. So that would yeah. be the one. That would be the one yeah. where I'm not surprised. Yeah that you yeah. see a lot of eating disorders coming out of that. Cause the yeah. sport itself is very steeped in mm -hmm. weight cutting culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Gymnastics too. Yeah. Mm, I think a gymnastics lot of Gymnastics gotta be a big one for girls. Cause yeah. girls gotta stay as small as possible. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You even see like girls just grow out of it height wise. Like they mm -hmm. get past like mm -hmm. five foot, yeah. whatever. And they're yeah. not allowed to be gymnasts yep. anymore. Exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. What do you do for like a young athlete where because I'm sure you've seen a lot of mm -hmm. kids where they cut a drastic amount mm -hmm. of weight for like wrestling, for example, yeah. cut a drastic amount of weight, ended up in the hospital. There's been stories of mm -hmm. professional athletes doing this yeah. too. And, but obviously they need to be healthier, but then mm -hmm. at the same time, they're still going to cut weight to make weight eventually mm -hmm. again. So like, what do you do mm -hmm. with those type of situations? Yeah. How do you try to educate them while still... I don't know if being sensitive is the right word, but being sensitive to the sport that they compete in. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, just getting them refed is, is the biggest thing. Giving them a lot of education, giving parents a lot of education, warning signs, what to look for as well. I think it's tough. I've never worked with a wrestler kind of in an outpatient setting, mm -hmm. so I don't know exactly, you know, kind of the, the steps to do in terms of that. I think I just have such a bias about, you know, any sport where that focuses on weight. I... Yeah. I you know, I tell parents it's it's risky. It's it's really risky. You know, eating disorders like any disorder, you can relapse with any addiction. You can relapse in it, and I think that if you're losing weight, you get into that eating disorder mindset, and it can be a slippery slope. So I have had kids who, you know, they they choose not to do that certain sport, or they do mm -hmm. other sports. They do. We we really try to push more like social sports too, like more team-based sports um, instead right. of just individualistic sports too. So I think it's tough. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I think you have to work with the family, work with the kid, because sometimes, you know, the, the kid will get so ingrained in it that, that really they, they don't want to do the sport anymore. They, they just wanted yeah. to be the best. They just wanted to, you know, keep kind of going on. So I think, you know, you have to kind of talk with the family, see what they're willing to, to do as well. But right. It's tough. Yeah. It's it not tough. a perfect answer. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm very biased and it's something that I'm trying to, to check as well. I was never like a collegiate athlete I never did you know anything at the top level so when my you know the kids that I'm seeing when they want to go back to doing sports so typically what they what we do is we say no sports as as they're regaining weight as mm. they're going through treatment start to slowly add it back in um but my bias is like let's wait let's keep waiting for longer and longer because I know the data you know the faster we add it in if, if kids are adding it in too soon then it just it, we can go back to square one sure. essentially right away so i'm always a little hesitant about adding it back in i can see the benefit you know a lot of these kids they they do truly love these sports so i'm yeah. not trying to take that away from them it's just it's hard when you're burning calories and you have this eating disorder it's, it's hard to, to balance it right and yeah. especially like if it's an individual sport it's yeah. a lot easier to mm -hmm. develop these things you yeah. know wrestling swimming whatever yeah, yeah exactly. um or like a, a team sport like mm -hmm. my football coach was never if anything he was telling me i need to be bigger mm -hmm. he was trying mm -hmm. to get me to pack on yeah. muscle like yeah 
just wasn't. Do you ever see that extreme? Because mm-hmm. I've definitely heard cases of like this kid's a lineman. They're supposed to be heavy in football, mm-hmm. so the coaches mm-hmm. are like, "You got to eat this." That like they're mm-hmm. just shoving mm-hmm. food down the yeah. down their throats, pretty yeah. much. You ever see cases like that of overeating? Yeah, there yeah. there definitely are a hundred percent. And in the hospital setting, we we don't typically see it just because they're they're not medically unstable mm-hmm. typically. Um, but I have had especially kids to being really diligent diligent about like their protein, about all of the different supplements, and they're like ten. I'm like just yeah. just relax. Ten year olds like, shouldn't be taking supplements. Yeah, like and and it's all of this stuff because they see their favorite professional athletes on this, and they just go to the extreme with it too. So I've seen a lot of it where a lot of kids that I've seen they have anorexia, but they also are worried about their protein intake, making mm-hmm. sure they get all of these different factors too. So, yeah, the yeah. social media makes it tough. I mean. Yeah. There's benefits. Like yeah. I follow a lot of athletes yeah, on exactly. uh, on social media because it's inspiring to see yeah. them work out. But then yeah. you look at them and you're like, man, like that guy's mm-hmm. just like you've got to chalk it up to they're just a freak sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, kids exactly. Don't understand that. Exactly. You know? Kids yeah. will see like uh, like a famous athlete right now, Saquon Barkley. They'll see him. He's like 220 pounds with like three mm-hmm. percent body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an educated adult's like that guy works hard and he's a freak. He's yeah. a genetic yep. freak. Yeah, exactly. But a kid will see that and be like, I want to look like yeah. that. They're like you're yep. 10, man. Calm down. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, and and a lot of these kids are so driven, so they they think that you know by working out, by cutting out sugar, they they can do it. When in reality, it's genetics. It's a lot of right. different other factors. So so you keep mentioning sugar. Um, yeah. A lot of people. I mean, I. I avoid sugar. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love spurging yeah. with like a bag of candy every yeah. once in a while, but day to day I avoid sugar. Yeah. Are you saying that most people shouldn't avoid sugar? You know, coming from an eating disorder spec- perspective, I, I don't think anyone should avoid any type of food. Okay. I really think everything in moderation is, is the best way to, to go about it. I think especially if people have had an unhealthy relationship or just a, a bad relationship with food, I think that by saying, no, you can't eat this, you just increase the likelihood that you're going to binge on it. So I think mm. we, we see this a lot where people will restrict. They'll have these specific food rules. I can't eat sugar. I can't eat carbs. I can't eat X, Y, and Z. They'll be really, I'm using air quotes, like good about it. They'll be really disciplined about it. But then something will happen at work. They get triggered. And at night, they, they binge. And they eat mm. a lot of it in a short period of time. And they feel like shit. So then the next day, they're like, okay, I'm going to be really disciplined again. It goes, we call it like the binge restrict cycle. You restrict yeah. and then you binge. So I think, you know, really to prevent that is, you know, making sure you eat in moderation, obviously, but then also not depriving yourself of, of anything. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I, I hear athletes, you know, if I, I totally get, you know, what what you eat impacts your performance. So I get, you know, collegiate athletes, whatever, it's working for them, obviously. But I think, you know, for me, for like the regular day-to-day person, I, I don't think you should really restrict anything, essentially, at least from, from that perspective. Sure, sure. How do, so how do you balance you know, the not restricting, but also educating, because the facts mm. are like, we as Americans, we eat way too many refined carbs, we mm. eat way too many, um, eat way too much refined sugar. Mm-hmm. And when I say I don't eat sugar, I don't mean mm-hmm. I don't eat, I eat a ton mm-hmm. of fruit because mm. that sugar your body can positively mm-hmm. use. I don't eat, you know, like candy on a regular basis or cookies mm-hmm. or anything because your body mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with that sugar. But mm. how do you balance, you know, not depriving them, but also mm-hmm. educating them like, hey, if we if we can cut down your refined carbs, your refined sugars, like mm. we can get rid of a lot of the diabetes that's a problem in the country, the mm. obesity that's a problem in the country, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like where's the yeah. balance in that? Yeah, I think it's tough. I'm not an obesity researcher. I mm. don't have kind of that. I did, you know, I, I did work in an eating disorder research lab in college and we did do more of a, using air quotes, like a weight loss type study. So I dipped my toes into it there. I think I have a really, in, just a different perspective. I'm more of a health at every size person. So sure. I, 
I hear it. I hear that there is this obesity problem, diabetes. I, I hear that. And I think it's, it's really hard because I think that we as Americans, we, we like to judge people based on what they're eating, how they look, what we think that, that they should look like. But you can't look at someone and, and say they're unhealthy, essentially. Sure. It's, it's really hard to say that. So I think it's, it's tough, you know, with, with the kids we work with, we have dietitians meet with them as well. And we have dietitians meet with their parents too. We don't break it down so specifically into like refined sugar, all, all of that stuff. We just say food is their, their medicine they, they need to eat. Right. Um, we really try to put not a lot of rules on it essentially. Sure. So I think that's helpful. Um, and I think just, you know, it's, it's a process of, of learning, you know, what, what you can eat, what you can't eat, um, and, and all of those things as well. We, we don't want people to, you know, go, go crazy or anything like that, sure. but we also <clears throat> just want to find more of a balance. So yeah. I think it depends person to person. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like I'm all for body positivity. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the person who's, and this is, it's funny cause a lot of fit people, they have mm -hmm. this reputation like, mm -hmm. oh, they're so, they're going to be so judgmental. I don't want to mm -hmm. go in the gym around yeah. them. But usually like if I see somebody who's clearly overweight and they're getting mm -hmm. after it in the gym, I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, I'm not going to say anything to yeah. them because I don't want to draw attention yeah. to them. Yeah, exactly. But in my head, I'm like, man, props to you. Like yeah. you're killing it. You're yeah. inspiring me. Yeah. But it's also a struggle just yeah. because we're seeing like the body positivity is a very good movement. Yeah. But then we're seeing people like a good example is Lizzo. Mm -hmm. People are like mm -hmm. promoting her for body positivity. Mm -hmm. That's like she's obese. Her life expectancy mm -hmm. is a lot shorter than it would be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying she has to get skinny by any means. But if mm -hmm. she just, you know, paid more attention to her diet and mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, her risk for type 2 diabetes and, and mm -hmm. heart disease and all this mm -hmm. stuff would go down. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's hard to find a balance between Yes, we should be body positive. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be telling everybody they got to have single mm -hmm. digit body fat percentage mm -hmm. or anything crazy. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we shouldn't be promoting the other extreme mm -hmm. and saying that's body positive because that's also like we talk about kids looking at mm -hmm. like a Saquon Barkley. Don't compare mm -hmm. yourself to that. Don't shoot mm -hmm. for that. But mm -hmm. you shouldn't be looking at Lizzo mm -hmm. and shooting for that either mm -hmm. as a kid. Like you shouldn't be ideal idealizing that. So like, yeah. where do you find that? kind of balance because it's it's getting tough in society yeah you're I, almost at the point where you're shaming people mm, who want to be in shape mm. it's tough you know i i love lizzo i i think what she's doing is is amazing because i think with with her you know obviously no one is her doctor no one knows right. you know what her blood draws like no one knows her exact health she can run i've seen her run on the treadmill while singing like that's you know i think she's in in an extremely amazing shape for what she's she's doing she's she's incredible um and i think she's showing you know she and no one knows exactly what her diet looks like i know she's vegan she she's very health conscious i think it's, it's tough because you know some and what we're learning more and more with obesity research is some people just are genetically are supposed to be higher they're supposed to be at a higher weight mm -hmm. um and and we've seen through research too that even if you drop that weight it's going to go back up because your body is, is happy at that weight too so it's it's hard you know i'm like i said i'm very much on the health at every size movement i i hear that there's you know obesity problems things like that i think with lizzo though she's just existing like she's just existing and she's just being a person i think people are kind of using her to be just kind of politicize it a little promote she's, agenda she, yeah she's just she's just doing she's her living. like she's just living yeah. she's she's extremely talented at what she does she's yeah she's very successful so yeah i mean to her credit she's yeah. not the one who's going out and being yeah. like body body positivity look like mm -hmm. me like she's not mm -hmm. doing that it's mm -hmm. you're seeing like a lot of the the media's doing mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and like they're they're giving her hype for looking a certain way and i'm just saying like mm -hmm. if we're gonna tell kids don't aim for this mm -hmm. we should mm -hmm. also be telling kids you shouldn't aim for this either like mm -hmm. we should find 
a healthy medium mm-hmm. at each yeah. each extreme. Like, don't aim yeah. for the, the crazy 1% mm-hmm. body fat yeah. person, but don't aim for the 50% body mm-hmm. fat person either. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to... It's, it's a tough balance because yeah. you got to figure out you can't, you can't tell kids don't eat this, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you should educate them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, if you have a high diet and high mm-hmm. fructose cone syrup and mm-hmm. refined carbs, like mm-hmm. these are the risks you run. Yeah. And yeah. so how do you, do you guys try to balance that? When you say that yeah. you just try to get calories in yeah. them, is it strictly calories? Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, we're seeing like the sickest of the sick. Yeah. I've seen kids just have, yeah, they've, they've lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to. Are you giving them on. like, I don't want to say real food, but is it like food or is it like, cause you can, you can mm-hmm. buy like shakes and stuff mm. that are packed just packed with nutrients that they yeah. get down quick or is yeah. it like real like cooked prepared real food or is it more just we're trying to throw whatever we can yeah so in the hospital we we have hospital food kids have the option if if a food is too much if it's too triggering if the eating disorder is too strong they have an option to do it's like a boost replacement essentially yeah. so they need to get in the food somehow whether it's through the meal or if the replacement is, is easier it has to be one way or another so that's kind of in a sense what what we do we we don't look at the content of food. You know what what it is is they they need to get them essentially as, as you don't look at like like any like like uh, not I'm not saying carbs, protein, fat, well, but like the micronutrients. Like I mean, they the, need the, certain vitamins the and calcium. Dietitians do that. Okay. They they kind of you know make sure everything is balanced. And but the dietitians are eating disorder dietitians. They're sure. they're not people who are promoting dieting any sort of sense so we do give kids like cookies cake things sure. like that it's it, you know it's normal things that kids should be yeah, eating essentially right. so it's something where you know they, they do educate parents kind of more or less on on what they should be eating but really the, the biggest thing is we just want to make sure that they're eating that they're not following any rules that the eating disorder is telling them to mm-hmm. eat or telling them to, to, to kind of live by and then moving past it so when you're getting a kid with an extreme mm-hmm. enough eating disorder that they're in the hospital yeah is there anything that they're just super dangerously low on like is there i'm sure their iron levels are all jacked up yeah which their yeah. bone density is going to go down yeah. and yeah. all sorts of things what's like the number one nutrient that you you need to like pump back into these kids right away mm, that's a good question i'm not a dietitian i'm not electrolytes? a doctor electrolytes are, are a big thing yeah, yeah. potassium i know it, it kind of depends what they're in for as well sometimes if, if kids are purging we'll see that more in potassium different electrolyte levels too so that'll be something i mean yeah vitamin d I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't look at that specifically, but yeah, a lot of times labs are wonky, but once we get food into them, sometimes they go home without needing to, to take any specific vitamins or okay. anything like that. They, they just need food. The food has the nutrition, essentially. And are they, are they young enough where you've caught the disorder quick enough so it's not going to have any long-term effects mm. on them if they turn it around, obviously? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on how long they've had it for. So especially with, with females, it's, you know, a lot of times we see people losing their periods. If they're not healthy enough to, to have a period, that's that's concerning. So, you know, what we typically recommend is if they're not having a period for over six months, we do, I think it's called like a DEXA scan where mm-hmm. where you look at their bone mineral density yeah. on because that, you know, with, with bone density, that can have a long-term irreversible yes. effect. So that's kind of the, the biggest thing. Um, we want to make sure that's not contributing. Besides that, you know, a lot of factors can be reversed right away um, where it's not having too much of a detrimental effect. What I typically say is I compare it to like a sports injury, like I said, with, with addictions, with any sort of disorder, it can flare up. So it's, you know, it's good to keep in mind that, you know, you had an eating disorder in the past. If, if you're in a situation where, you know, you could be eating less or things could be triggering, just know that, that you had it. But really, you know, there's, there's, 
not too much damage as long as you catch it early enough, as long as you can kind of continue sure. on with the path, yeah. Yeah, with, with adults with eating disorders though, because mm -hmm. they've usually had mm -hmm. them since they were yeah. teenagers, they got a lot more long-term yeah. things. I remember I heard yeah. of a girl, she, I don't even think she considered herself to have an eating disorder. Yeah. She, when I say girl, she's probably a woman in her 40s, mm -hmm. but lifelong vegan, lifelong like mm -hmm. 1,200 calories a day, which mm -hmm. isn't healthy mm -hmm. at all, not mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. But she broke her ankle, mm -hmm. then went to perform a surgery to put a screw in it. Mm -hmm. She had such little bone density that her ankle yeah. just like disintegrated oh, and they had to do yeah. a total ankle reconstruction. Yeah. Um, so that's probably got to be the number one thing you see is just the mm -hmm. bone density yeah. going down with the long-term yeah. eating disorder effects. Exactly. Yeah, I would think so. I, I don't work with adults. I think with kids, you can see them recover. It's sad with, with adults. You, sometimes there's a big population who, who don't recover. So that's why I yeah. choose to work with kids because you, I can get them to recover. But with adults, yeah, it can be a completely different story. I think a lot of times we see adults who are kind of unstably stable for their whole life they're they're not great but it you know their their body just adjusts to the fact that they're getting so few calories and right. per day and they just constantly live at 80 90 pounds for their whole yep. life so yeah it's it's sad when you see adults like that where yeah. they you see a lot of it like my mom has a very good friend who's mm -hmm. pretty much like an aunt to me but she's been a lifetime like 110 pound person and mm -hmm. she'll tell my mom she should only eat like a thousand calories a day and mm -hmm. that the information I'm telling her is wrong mm. and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And she thinks she's healthy because she's skinny. But mm. in reality, if she yeah. did blood work, if she did yeah. anything, yeah. like the doctors would be like, no, yeah. we need to turn this around. Like, exactly. And she would feel a lot better too. But yeah, exactly. there's a lot of people, like a lot of people think fat is unhealthy, but there's mm -hmm. just as many people who are too skinny yeah. for their own good too. Exactly. And I think that that just, you know, goes to show that you can't look at a person and judge them based on, on their health just because there's so many factors that, that right. go into it as well. Yeah. yeah. So. I would argue the people who are like the one I just gave an example of the people mm -hmm. who are skinny, but think they're healthy. Yeah. I think they're more dangerous than the yeah. obese people because obese yeah. people know they're not healthy. There's no obese mm -hmm. person that's sitting around. Like mm -hmm. if you ever see that show, the 500 pound life, there are people mm -hmm. who can't even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And those people don't, they don't have any illusions that they're healthy, mm -hmm. but the people who are, they're like, oh, I'm skinny, I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. Like that's much yeah. more dangerous. Yeah. And those are probably the people that you're seeing a lot more of mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you're telling them they're unhealthy, yeah. but especially if they're an athlete, if they're going yeah. out and they're performing, yeah. like I just scored two touchdowns last week. What do you mean I'm unhealthy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the disorder too. So it really with eating disorders, it really distorts the way that, that people think. It really kind of clouds their judgment. It really blinds them. So I've had kids who their heart rates are in the 20s, 30s. They're like, no, I'm fine. I'm an athlete. Like my heart rate should, heart rate should be low. They always compare it with, I I'm not a, I'm not an athlete person, but the famous cycler who was Lance Armstrong. Probably. Yeah, like yeah. his heart rate is, is super low and they're like, he's a, an elite athlete. And I'm like, yeah, but his heart rate doesn't drop. He's not a teenager. Your heart rate should be mm -hmm. higher. So it's it's tough. A lot of times the eating disorder and we always refer to it to, like as the eating disorder, we externalize it as much as possible. So the eating disorder just puts on a lot of these rules for, for kids sure. that gives them the illusion that they're healthy when in reality it's it's disorder. Yeah. Yeah, so it's almost, do you guys consider it more of like a mental illness? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. more of a mental illness yeah, than a physical yep. illness. Okay. Yeah, I mean, especially with eating disorder, it's it's tricky because it can be physically touched, you know, because a, a lot of times when people are in the hospital, they're, they're there for the physical components. Um, but really, it, it kind of starts as some sort of mood disorder, some sort of, mm -hmm. you know, fixation, just like yeah. a coping mechanism. Yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. So. Yeah. It kind of depends on the person, but yeah, yeah, but we, yeah. So I'm, I'm a mental health therapist, so I treat the mental health side of it. Sure. Yeah. And being a, an outside person who doesn't really know a whole lot yeah. about 
that side of the story. How much of it do you just, how much of it is where you're trying to help them mm-hmm. while not placing blame, but still getting them to be accountable for their actions? Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people will just say, oh, well, and this isn't mm-hmm. just eating disorders. They'll blame anything. Like mm-hmm. like Kanye West goes crazy mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, he has bipolar disorder. And mm-hmm. it's like, is he not accountable for what he does then? Mm-hmm. Like, where does where does accountability come into yeah. this whole conversation? That's, and it's hard to work with kids with yeah. accountability too because I yeah. coach kids. Yeah. And uh-huh. a lot of kids lack accountability because they're 10 years old. 10 years yeah. old don't have accountability. So how yeah. do you try to instill some sort of accountability like hey i get mm-hmm. it but you should, we still need to be accountable you mm-hmm. still need to do these things going yeah. forward that's that's a good perspective that's a good question you know really with eating disorders we kind of compare it to cancer like no one wakes up one day wanting to have cancer right. no one puts it on their bucket list it's the same thing with an eating disorder and i think a lot of times parents will blame themselves they'll blame their kids kids will blame parents you know it's, there's a lot of blaming but really you know like i said there's a lot of different factors that cause eating disorders it's never one thing um and it's, it's not super helpful to, to look at the root cause of it because like i said you can try to figure it out your whole life and you'll you'll never really know it so we we try to you know just say that it's something that that wasn't caused by the kid. You know, like I said, no kid wakes up wanting to have an eating right. disorder, um, especially with eating disorders. It's, you know, we always say it's, it's like a bully. It's like a bully in their head, essentially telling them what to do, what to eat, what not to eat, things like that. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not their parents' fault that leads them to having an eating disorder. It's, it's like epilepsy. It's like cancer. It's like so many other diseases. So I think we, we try to kind of flip it in that sense too, that there's, there's no blame. There's no blame. There's no stigma. It's, really just something that that happened to them i think in terms of of accountability after the fact you know it's it's more so knowing that eating disorders it's it's a hard journey i i've always tell kids you know i think recovery is one of the hardest things that, that a person can do it's, it's something that you have to fight for every single day you have to fight for your life essentially so in terms of that sense you know i don't know if i would use the word accountability but i think it's just supporting them through mm-hmm. that because it's, it's tough they have to you know with with any with any addictions it's difficult but with with eating especially when someone have, has anorexia they, they have to eat to survive you know yeah. with, with other addictions you can try and yeah, you, know, like you don't break. need heroin to survive yeah, yeah yeah exactly but with food they're they're constantly challenging these eating disorder thoughts at every single meal of the day so it's it's tough so i think in that sense i've had kids you know tell me oh i, I had food this weekend i purged i did x y and z so i never place blame because i always say that what's the eating disorder that made you do that if you had a cancer flare-up if you were clear from cancer and then you relapsed i'm no one would blame you your doctors wouldn't blame you right. it's the same thing with eating disorders too you know it's it's we, like I said, we externalize it as much as possible. We refer to it as the eating disorder because a lot of times people will say that the thoughts that they're having, it feels different than their, their normal thoughts. Like mm-hmm. if they're going about day to day, the eating disorder, it's, we, especially with young kids, we, we do call it a bully. It's, it's bullying you to do a lot sure. of different things. So, yeah. So I think it's, it's something where, you know, when I get to know a certain kid and, and they tell me, like, I've had kids who, who like stand all day at school. I've had kids just do a lot of different, weird eating disorder behavior so if they're saying like the eating disorder kind of won today we, we can kind of poke them a little bit and say like you can push back at the eating disorder like we can yeah, you can fight it yeah exactly yeah. like we can especially you know and i know it's hard but i try to have a lot of empathy because it's, right. it's tough it's something that they're battling every second of the day essentially sure and you mentioned not placing blame mm-hmm. which is very important when you work with kids have you yeah. ever encountered situations though where there is someone like an abusive household mm, that's yeah. where because you hear stories of yeah. crazy parents who mm. want their kid to be an Olympic athlete, so they yeah. tell them they have to eat. Like, have you ever yeah. seen 
that level where it's clearly yeah. the parents yeah. and then you got to get social services involved yeah oh god yeah to get them free of that situation yeah yeah it's rough yeah i mean we we still try to go into the perspective that there's a lot of different factors that contribute to eating disorders but i've heard terrible things that parents have said i hear a lot in health class too health class can be so shitty to kids mm. Um, I had one kid who told me her teacher divided the class into BMI percentiles. Like they, so she had to sit with the obese kids. And yeah, I'm that's like, right. So I, you know, I think a lot of these messages messages are, are really harmful. But I've I've heard parents. I work with child protection services. I make reports, things like that. Um, so I think that parents can have a large impact mm -hmm. on it too. It's not. It's never the sole thing. But I think it can definitely be a contributing factor. Have you seen any factors where whether it's a bad household or a bad mm -hmm. environment, like a bad school that you just mm. mentioned. Have you seen it where they get free of that, whether it's getting to a new home mm. or getting to a new school and mm -hmm. then the eating disorder just kind of goes away? Mm. Or That's is it still going to be a lifetime thing that they're battling, even if they get whatever negative was kind of causing it yeah. out of their life? That's a good question. You know, typically in our hospital setting, we see them for such a short period of time. I've never seen someone be displaced. I. I think there is a lot going on in our system where I think that it would have to be a pretty severe case of abuse for someone to get relocated or to a different home. So I, I've never seen that situation happen. What I do is just I make reports and they investigate it. Um, and I think if you go to a different school, I think that it'll, you know, this is just a hypothesis. I think it would still probably be there. I don't know to what extent, um, but I think that once you kind of have an eating disorder, once you have that eating disorder mindset, you have to get treatment in order for it to get better. Even just moving to a different situation, the eating disorder is still going to be there. So I think mm -hmm. if you get treatment, then yes, I think that you can fully recover from it. But if you just move to a different family or move to a different school, it'll still probably be there. Still, still be going around. Yeah. And do you think, because you hear a lot now, like when I was mm -hmm. a kid, bullying was was physical mm. you know mm -hmm. that nobody was really nobody was really teasing you yeah. and the way that I got around not being bullied is if somebody started something like we just fought like yeah. that was it mm -hmm. but now it's it doesn't seem like it's physical at all now mm. now it seems like it's all verbal it's yeah. all online yeah and that's yeah. the thing that makes me feel bad for kids is yeah. if you were getting bullied back in my day at least yeah. when you went home yeah. you didn't have to deal with it exactly. anymore you didn't yeah. now you get texts you get mm -hmm. people calling you out on Twitter or Instagram yeah. Yeah. so are you seeing that a lot more with these kids where it's yeah. all just like verbal and things kids are saying to them yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard horrible things kids i think it's such a, a tough period of time i would never go back to middle school or never go back to high school it's so so shitty because i think developmentally there's a lot going on cognitively there's a lot going on socially there's there's just so much going on that i think that kids don't know what to do so they, they bully other people mm -hmm. they they do shitty things um so i i've heard a lot i've heard a lot of shitty things that kids have said to other kids and yeah, it's it's tough, and I think that adds another layer onto it as well. So I think that's that's tough. Yeah. What do you what do you try to say to those kids? Because it's one thing, mm -hmm. like if I ever had a son and he was getting physically bullied, I would tell mm -hmm. him stand up for yourself. Mm. You know, if the kid wants to fight, you might lose the fight, but hey, at mm. least you tried. Mm -hmm. What do you say when it's like a verbal bullying thing? Because you can't you can't do that. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. there's yeah. no there's no way to escape it. You yeah. can't. You can tell a kid stay off social media, but yeah. good luck telling a yeah. kid to delete all yeah. the social media. What kind of steps do you try to take to help those kind of kids? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough. I think it's different for every kid, but I think just empathizing, but it's it's shitty. You know, kids can be so mean. I think just sitting with them and that emotion that that was, that was painful, what they did. There's nothing that, that we can do. There's nothing they can do to, to fix what was said. Um, and then I, I think just trying to build up their support system as, as much as possible to trying to find protective factors, whether that's their family members, other friends, 
other things that, that they can do to, to make themselves feel good about that too, because you can't erase what was said. You can just try to kind of rebuild it. Mm -hmm. You can try to prevent it from happening, but with kids, it's, it's, I don't know, if they move schools, there's probably another group of bullies that would do the same thing. So I think just trying to build up their protective factors is mm -hmm. not possible. And trying to build up their confidence yeah. too, I'm guessing. Yeah. I used to, I used to teach kids jujitsu mm. at a gym and I remember there was this kid in the class and he had, uh, I believe he had Asperger's. So, okay. you know, um, obviously everything cognitively seemed mm -hmm. normal, but you yeah. could also tell something was off yeah. and kids could pick that up and they'd bully. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't bully him in my class, but yeah. he'd be bullied at school. And one day yeah. the mom came up and thanked me. She's mm -hmm. like, he finally stood up to the bully. Yeah. He got suspended for it, but yeah. like the bully's going to leave him alone now mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. And she was thanking me. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't tell him to do it. Like, I didn't do anything. She's like, no, you just built up his confidence yeah. enough where he could stand up That's for himself. Yeah. Is that kind of what you try to do with a lot of these kids too, is just build up their confidence and their self-worth? I think it depends. I think with eating disorders, I think that, you know, we, we would love it if people were confident, if they were body positive. I think, you know, what we're trying to do is get them to have a neutral view of themselves. Mm. I think that confidence and, and body positivity, it can take a really long time to achieve. And especially with these kids, if we're only seeing them for seven to 10 days, there's not a ton of work we can do in that. If we see them longer term, I think, yes, we can work on a lot of the things that, that make them feel good about themselves. We can build up that confidence. But I think, you know, and, and we ask, a lot of times parents will ask, how do we get them to love their body? How do we get them to be confident? There's no magic word. It, it sure. can be a lifelong journey for a lot of people, but I think really just trying to bring it to new, neutrality, you know, not hating yourself, just bringing it more towards neutral. Like I have a body, I am here, not having some sort of feeling about it, but just going to neutral, I think is the first step. Sure. Yeah. And how does, how does working with kids and working in eating disorders, how does that affect like your life and how mm -hmm. you view food and yeah. everything you do? It has yeah. to affect it in yeah. some way. Like yeah. You, it does. It definitely does. I, I feel like because, you know, like like I mentioned in, in high school, I definitely had disordered eating. I, I 100% I viewed exercise as a way to, to compensate for what I was eating. I, I had a really skewed perspective on it. So I think that, you know, in the work that I've done, I, I really live what I preach. I, you know, I have a really healthy relationship now with, with food, with exercise. I love to lift. I love to box. I love to do a lot of different things to, to stay physically active. And I, I love to eat too. I, mm -hmm. I don't restrict myself. I don't, I don't follow any sort of diet. I remember in high school, I tried like macro counting. I tried calorie counting, but with the way that I viewed food, it just, it was not for me. It just was, it just, I skewed at it. And then it was really disordered the way that I was doing it. So right now I have absolutely no limitations. I eat what I want, when I want. I know what foods, you know, I, I perform better with. Like I try to get more protein. I try to limit my alcohol as much as possible, things like that, because I know the next day if I drink, I'm going to feel shitty if, if I try to lift sure. essentially. So I, I know those things, but really, you know, I, I eat dessert every day. I, you know, do things like that because I, I was a person who would restrict and then, so I've, I know that I have fallen into these patterns in the past. Really, I feel like I have the best view of food, of exercise that I've ever had in my entire life. I have a very high level of body positivity. I'm a very confident person. And I think it's because I don't compensate at all. I, mm -hmm. I work out because I want to, you know, I have goals, especially with, with lifting. I like to lift more and more and more, but I never, compare myself anymore. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to Everybody use the word never, but it's, yeah. it's something where it's like, I, it's so rare that, because I know now that like Photoshop is a thing. It's, it's, you know, something where I, I don't do that a lot. So sure. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped me a ton too. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me, you know, interact with people, especially, you know, training people, coaching people. I've had so many people come up to me like after class or before class saying like, 
oh, I ate a lot this weekend, like I need to burn it off or like things like that. And I try to, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be their therapist or anything, but I'm trying to say like, hey, let's, let's, you know, food is food, you know, exercise is exercise. We're not trying to compensate essentially. So sure. I feel like it helps me when I train people and work with people. Yeah. Too. Does it affect like how, because group fitness is yeah. always marketed as calories, calories, mm -hmm. calories. We're going to burn mm -hmm. calories. Like mm -hmm. I used to work for a title boxing club yeah. and they would advertise burn up to a thousand calories yeah. in a class. Yeah. And they're very smart with how they advertise it because they yeah. said up to. Mm -hmm. And you have to be in an hour to burn a thousand calories. Yeah. You have to be in phenomenal yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. You have to be put, you have to be going a hundred percent. You have to, even during their rest periods, you still got to be going yeah, yeah, if exactly. you're going to burn a thousand. Yeah, and that's exactly. how all group fitnesses yeah. are marketed is yeah. calories, calories, yeah. calories. Mm -hmm. So you being somebody who knows yeah. Yeah. Like one, you have the the, yeah. um, the background with the yeah. eating disorders, mm -hmm. but two, you have the background where if you know anything about science, you know that bur calories burned doesn't equal yeah. strength yeah. gained or yeah, anything exactly. like that. Yeah. So how do you balance that with your classes? Do you try to educate people? Because mm -hmm. I've taught group yeah. fitness classes where like, oh, the pace isn't fast enough. And I'm mm -hmm. like, we're not focusing on pace. We're yeah. focusing on, yep. you know, this and this. Yeah, so exactly. do you try to balance it and then educate them as well? Yeah. I try to. So, you know, with my yoga background, I feel like that has helped me so much in the way that I teach classes because, you know, with, with yoga, it's so much about like listening to your body with, with so many instructors. They're like, if you just want to lay down, it's called Shavasana, just laying down. Yeah. If they're like, if you just want to do that, the whole class do it. Like I, they have such a, you know, chill perspective on things. So I try to bring that into my classes. You know, I try to push people when they want to be pushed. But then I, you know, I think every single class I say probably at least three times, listen to your body, listen to what you need today, because sometimes you come into class needing like the hardest version of it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to pick up the heaviest weights, do what you need to do. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't want to do that. And sometimes right. your body isn't feeling it. Sometimes you're not mentally there. So I try to, you know, cater towards a lot of different people. It's hard in a group fitness it's class because everyone needs something different, yep. but I try to give a lot of options and I try to say rest if you, if you you know, are feeling burnt out. If you, your heart rate is picking up, if you feel like your form is shitty, rest. Like yeah. there's no, there's no, it's not a bad thing to rest. And I think right. that we, we look at resting, you know, as you know, sometimes uh, it can be negative or you're not working hard enough, but it's so important to rest, especially as if, if your form is tanking, you, you need to rest. So. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle as a group fitness instructor. Yeah. It's not a strong suit of mine because in boxing, I come yeah. from a fight background, so I'm always yeah. focused on technique. Let's hit it yeah. correctly. Yeah. I don't. I always say I would rather have you punch something as hard as you can ten times mm -hmm. than punch it as fast as you can a hundred times. Mm -hmm. Cause you're going to mm -hmm. get a better workout. Yeah. It's going to be better for you. And then yeah. with lifting too, like I'm always strength based. I'm not yeah. like oh we're going to do 50 burpees and yeah. 25 yeah. air squats. Yeah. Like no, yeah. I want to increase strength. And what people yeah. don't realize when it comes to rest is mm -hmm. rest has been demonized in the group fitness mm -hmm. setting. Yeah. But they don't realize if your heart rate's just up the whole time, yeah. you're not accomplishing much other yeah. than increasing your cardio. If you yeah. want to burn fat, gain muscle, you need to spike your heart rate, mm -hmm. drop your heart rate, spike yeah. and yeah. drop. Yeah. So exactly. it's hard to get through in group yeah. class settings. Yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. tough because people just want to go, go, go. Yeah. And you're exactly. like, all right, take a minute rest. And then yeah. 15 seconds later, they're yeah. doing push-ups. Like, what do you, I said, <laughs> take a rest. What are you yeah, doing, man? Exactly, exactly. Like, let your heart rate come down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's, I don't know. And I feel like with, with my classes too, I, I try to make them fun. I think that's, that's the biggest thing is just making it fun, not feeling like a chore too. Cause I think a lot of times people work out for a million different reasons. Sometimes, you know, and I know in my own personal lifting, I, I look at the signs. I, I want to make sure I'm doing things effectively, but I, I think that, you know, that's, that's not for everyone. Not everyone likes to lift. Not everyone likes that, that sort of pace too. So I think that, you know, that's something that I've tried to fix my mindset on too. You know, I'm not a Pilates person. I don't, 
like Pilates. I don't think, you know, objectively, it's not super effective for, for what I want to do. Sure. Uh, but there's, it, you know, there's people who love it and there's, mm -hmm. there's people that's their bread and butter. So I think that, you know, I'm trying to look at it, you know, at least people are moving, at least people are doing what they want to do, being an, any form of exercise, any activity, it's, it's a positive. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I love about fitness is yeah. there's something for everybody, yeah, whether it's, exactly. like you said, Pilates, yoga, yeah. spin yeah. class, yeah. lift heavy, yeah, CrossFit, exactly. whatever you want to yeah. do, exactly. something for everybody out yeah. there. Exactly. So, 100%, um, yeah. part, so with your job, obviously, yeah. you're dealing with kids, which makes anything a lot more stressful, yeah. um, a lot more empathetic. Yeah. Is, is a workout kind of like a release for you to release some of that? Because you obviously yeah. have a very stressful job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is yeah. Kinda... Exercise is so important to me. Yeah. I mm -hmm. lift. I typically work out in the mornings. I have to do that to start my day. Right. And it just gives me energy for the day. Too. Mm -hmm. It's like it, getting in an extra cup of coffee. So for me, I really have to work out in order to just manage stress, in order to manage everything. Um, and it looks different. Yeah. A lot of days I will like to lift, but some days I'll try to add in yoga. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, like you said, the, the good thing about group fitness or just any sort of fitness, you can do so many different things with it too. So right. yeah, for me, I definitely need to do some sort of movement in order, in order to stay sane. So, yeah. 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 It's good. You recognize that. I've yeah. always been amazed at how many people, like I trained doctors and mm. people who they have high stress jobs and their jobs yeah. revolve are them doing stuff for other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they'll go the extra mile for another person. They'll stay mm -hmm. late, do whatever yeah. they got to do for another yeah. person. But then if you ask them to take an hour of the day for themselves, mm -hmm. yeah. they won't do it. Yeah. And they don't realize how that hour for themselves is mm -hmm. going to just benefit the rest yeah. of their life too. So it sounds exactly. like you got a pretty good handle on yeah. that. Is that something you try to tell the kids too? And people mm -hmm. don't realize an hour for yourself doesn't mean working out. It can yeah. mean reading, journaling, yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. you like doing for an hour. Yeah. Just exactly. take an hour a day for yourself. Yeah. Is that something you try to relate to the kids too because the control thing is mm. such a big thing with those eating disorders yeah that a lot yeah. of kids probably feel like they don't have any time for themselves mm, yeah a lot of times we, we do so after every single meal they do some sort of like distraction it's first of all to help with eating disorder thoughts second of all to help with any sort of physical discomfort that they're feeling they feel really full because we're feeding them a lot of food and they haven't eaten in a while yeah, yeah exactly yeah so you know a lot of times that's the time where they explore a lot of things a lot of times kids come into the hospital and they don't do a lot of arts and crafts, you know, before, but then they do so many projects in the hospital. They're like, I want to do this at home. They do tie dye and they do all of these different things that they do follow up at home as well because it's it's fun. Um, so I think a lot of times, yeah, we, we do try to promote doing some sort of distraction, some sort of activity that is different than sports because, for, you know, like I said, for a while, they, they can't do sports. We recommend right. no physical activity. So they do have to find other passions. And, and a lot of times, Sports can be their identity, and that's that's really how they see themselves. So it's it's hard when they yeah. can't do that. So you know, arts and crafts, puzzles, music. There's just so many different avenues that, that kids can explore, and and we've seen them really find a, an interest in having a lot of benefit of it. Yeah, so. that makes sense. I mean, I can relate to sports being your identity. That was yeah. my identity. Like yeah. high school is like this is Justin. He plays football. Mm -hmm. As an adult, this yeah. is Justin. He's a, that was the first thing people say. This is Justin. He's a fighter. Yeah, like that's just yep. how you get introduced. Yeah. And then yeah. I stopped competing. And I was like, mm. now what am I? <laughs> like, exactly. What am I now? So yeah. it's good if you can get that into kids. Like you are yeah. more than your yeah. sport. Yeah, like, There's exactly. more to you yep. exactly. than this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we try. Like, we try. Yeah, yeah it's got to be <laughs> tough with kids. Kids are, yeah. they're a different animal. They're just yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough working with parents, with their families. And, you know, like I said, too, I, I like working with kids because they recover and they, you know, I can I can see them recover in mm -hmm. a lot shorter period of time than an adult, someone who is stuck. Have you ever so worked with them. adults? 
we, like so coming we, up in, in school or anything like that? Did you ever intern and work with adults yeah, or anything? Yeah, so I worked, when I did um, like research at the U of M, we only did studies with adults. So I worked with chronically ill people. They, they had chronic anorexia for 20, 30 mm. years. It was tough. I mean, they, they were all very smart, intelligent people. You know, like I said, they were unstably stable. They lived their whole life to be 80, 90 It's pounds. like when you see like functional alcoholics. Yeah, like, yep, they, exactly. They still have a job. They yeah. just... Yeah, exactly. to work around it, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we, we saw a lot of chronically ill people who did a, a lot of our studies. Um, you know, at, at the place that I work at now, we'll see people, I think, 18 to 24. So I see some of that, like, college age range, too. So I like working with kids in that range, but, yeah, college just adds on another huge It seems factor. like the college age right now, like, kids in college seem to be more concerned with their bodies than ever. Because, like, mm -hmm. when I was in college... Mm -hmm. People didn't really care about working out that much. Yeah. Like they yeah. cared about drinking and partying and yeah. having fun. Yeah. Like, but now, like I go to the gym and I see these kids that are like eighteen, nineteen, yeah. and yeah. they're concerned with getting as ripped as they can. Mm. And yeah. part of me is like, that's really cool. They're investing in it so young, but mm -hmm. at the yeah. same time, if they're taking it to that extreme, yeah. like obviously that's a negative. Yeah. Exactly. Where do you try to find the balance in that? Because it's very hard mm. if you, yeah. if you're somebody who's trying to get into working out, like. Not to say that you can't, but you yeah. do really need to pay attention to Like if your goal is to yeah. be in shape, you need to pay attention to your macros. You need mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get enough protein, yeah. limit your carbs, not yeah. cut carbs out. That's yeah. a big mistake people yeah. make, but just pay attention yeah. to the types you eat yeah. and stuff. So how do you think these kids can try to draw a balance if mm -hmm. their goal is being in shape? Because yeah. right now it seems like, seems like the fitness world's kind of, people are shaming you if you want to be in shape. Mm. People are like, oh, you're vain. You care mm. so much about yeah. abs or whatever. Yeah. When, some people, it's just their goal to, yeah. to get abs one yeah, time. Like, exactly. Don't shame them for that. Yeah, yep. I think there's a fine line between disciplined and, and disordered. I think that, you know, with, with discipline, I think it's, it's great to be disciplined in a lot of aspects of your life. I think that you can be disciplined in the gym and, you know, things that improve your overall health. I think that's that's fine. That's that's great. Um, I think it becomes disordered if it starts to interfere with your day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, not hanging out with friends, if you're not doing your hobbies because you, you have to work out, because you have to spend X amount of minutes in, in the gym. Um, I think if you're working out when you're sick, when you're injured, when, you know, things like that, that's where it can become disorder too. And when you feel like you have to do it, mm -hmm. um, I think if, if you start to bring in components of like guilt and shame, I think those components should stay out of your workouts as much as possible. You know, I think if, if you had a bad day at work and you want to work out, that's fine. But if you're working out because you feel guilty about what you ate, because you feel guilty about how you look, if you feel shame, I think that that just drives workouts in an unhealthy way. So I mm -hmm. think that, you know, if it starts to interfere in your day-to-day -day life like that, if you start to have a negative connotation about your body, about, you know, your workouts, if it's, you're trying to get it to compensate, if you start to have more of those disordered things, I would take a step back, you know, reach out to someone, talk to them. I think therapists are great. You can see someone, even if you don't have a diagnosed eating disorder, even if you don't have anything that would classify it as an eating disorder, I think that, you know, it can still be helpful to, to reach sure. out and kind of get perspective <clears throat> on it too. Yeah, the... Uh... It's interesting because a lot of the stuff that I learned coming up now, like, yeah. it's just not socially acceptable. Mm. Like, I remember I was 18 and I was working mm -hmm. out at a Gold's Gym and I'd kind yeah. of befriended this guy who was probably about my age that yeah. I am now. And I was asking him for pointers because he was a big, mm. jacked, bodybuilder yeah. dude. And the advice he gave me, he was like, the minute you look in the mirror and you like what you see, you've lost. You're complacent mm. at that point. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like, back then I was like, oh, yeah. I get, and it, it motivated yeah. me. Like, it yeah. did, it did yeah. the trick. Like, I'm yeah. one of those people... It's kind of, it's probably one of, I don't view it as a fault, but I can see yeah. how it's a fault where I'm never satisfied. Like mm -hmm. I always feel like mm -hmm. there's something else I can mm -hmm. do, whether it's with my yeah. business or my workouts or yeah. 
whatever, I always feel like there's a next step. Yeah, But yeah. at the same time, I could recognize that's probably not the healthiest behavior out there. And I, yeah. would, I definitely wouldn't be passing that same knowledge on yeah. to any kids out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that that was kind of just the, the general message. I, I don't know if that, that was the general message, that exact phrase, but I think, you know, even thinking back when I started like 10, 15 years ago, it's, it's, you know, what more can I do? What more can I improve? Things like that. So I think now it's shifted and just being satisfied with, you know, how you look, how you're performing and, and still wanting more, you know, I still am wanting to lift more, doing things like that. But it's, it's never, I never lift, I never, you know, do things because I feel unhappy with how I look. I think that that can just, like I said, just create an unhealthy balance. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there'll ever be a point where society is just kind of balanced mm-hmm. with everything? Because right now there's definitely a big movement mm-hmm. where it's okay to shame fit people. Like mm-hmm. if, if you show somebody a picture of an obese woman and the person says, oh, she's gross, people mm-hmm. will tell them you can't say that. But if you show them a picture of a woman who bodybuilds and is mm, jacked and they mm-hmm. say, oh, that's gross. There's mm. people are like, yeah, you're right. That's mm, gross. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's more of a stigma to kind of, I don't know if shame is right, but it mm-hmm. seems to be like people are kind of fighting against mm-hmm. fit people who have lived a very disciplined life and are mm-hmm. telling them they have a disorder when in fact they've just been very disciplined mm-hmm. their whole life. Do you think we'll ever kind of get to a point where we just are in the middle about all of it? I hope that we just stop caring about what, okay. what people look like. I, I think, you know, I, I hope that we just stop to ha- stop having opinions about what other people are eating and what they look like because, you know, like I said, it's you can't look at someone and, and judge them, you yeah. know, based on their health or things like that too. So I, you know, I, I think that we're still... I, I hear you that, that, you know, there's been more of a shame towards fit people. I think we're still shaming people in, in larger bodies as well. Yeah. I think that there's still a lot of shame going both ways. I think I think people just shame people for whatever reason. It seems I to think, be like a war going on. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. I think that people just, you know, need to stop caring about what other people are doing. Just focus on yourself. If it's impacting you in any way, like, then talk to them. I don't know how, how that would impact you. But besides that, just mind your own business. Do your own thing. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that, you know, everyone has an opinion about things and it, does, it doesn't matter as long as, right. you know, you're doing what you need to do, as long as you're happy, as long as you're healthy, you know, I think that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, I remember the example that really annoyed me a couple of years ago was the mm-hmm. whole, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but when Demi Lovato, when she, mm-hmm. she like went to an ice cream shop and she got super pissed oh, and posted yeah. because they offered sugar-free options. Yeah. And she uh-huh. was like, this is yeah. triggering, this is so offensive yeah. to me, but it's like, there's people out there who want the sugar-free yeah, option. There's yeah. people who, for whatever reason, maybe, yeah. maybe they have an allergy to yeah. something. Yep. You know, maybe they yeah. want that option. Yeah. So it's just like that kind of stuff to me. I'm yeah. like, I get what you're saying with yeah. the eating disorder, but like, yeah. you can't tell you can't tell this ice cream shop that they're yeah. in the wrong because they're yeah. offering healthier options. Yeah. People who want. Yeah. the healthier option. Exactly. And that's something too that, that we try to, you know, if, if kids bring that up to it, society's not going to change. Like we're, we're not going to, you know, take out every sort of disordered message. We're not going to pull out every sort of diet culture type message. So it's something where it's, you have to kind of learn to adapt to mm-hmm. it, learn to filter it out. If, if you kind of, someone's actually struggling with the eating, dis- eating disorder, it's, it's a lot harder to, to fil- filter that out. But I think with, with anything, if it's triggering, that's, it's kind of something you have to work on. It's not something a business should have to, to change unless it's overtly offensive, you know, yeah. things like that. But with options for food, with like vegan options, with a, a million other options, that's not something that should really impact your day to day. Right. Yeah. Have you noticed at all people, like, I'm not saying that they're, that they're making eating disorders popular by any mm-hmm. means, but it mm-hmm. seems like 
every person now is trying to use eating disorders for clout. Like in mm. the female fitness influencer industry, mm -hmm. I've definitely seen a lot more posts the last couple mm -hmm. of years where girls, I'm not saying they didn't have eating disorders, yeah. but they'll, they'll post and they'll be mm -hmm. like, I remember five years ago, I wasn't comfortable posting myself in a swimsuit. But then mm. you go, you look at their page, like five years ago, that's all you were posting was swimsuit mm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it seems mm -hmm. like they're trying to use the movement mm. for clout. Are you yeah. noticing that too? I think it's tough because I think just being a female in America in this diet-driven society, I, I don't know the data on it, but I think a lot of, I think a lot of people in general have negative body image. But I think especially females, I think you know females are expected to look a certain way, be a certain way, and I think we we get so many pulled messages. I, I guess I don't know if it's for clout because I think even if someone is posting a bikini picture, that doesn't mean that they like their body. They can still hate their body, hate the way that they look, um, but still posting it for whatever reason, you know, mm. maybe it's satisfying some other point, point of view. So it's, it's hard to say, you know, I don't know if I've noticed that as much. I feel like I've noticed, you know, the people that I used to follow on Tumblr, they've gone through this journey of, of having anorexia and being more in this body positivity space. I think it's hard because then I'll still see them very disciplined at the gym and I'm like, are you actually recovered or has it transformed? Because I think, you know, back 10, 15 years ago, people wanted to be skinny. Like the, it mm -hmm. was, you know, very, very thin. Now people want to have asses. They want to have thick legs. And I, I see a lot of people shifting towards that mindset too. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously not trying to diagnose anyone on the internet, but right. it's like, it's, it seems like it's just shifting. Like skinny was trendy. Now just building your ass is trendy. So I'm like, I don't know if it still seems disordered in, in what they're doing. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know in terms of kind of clout chasing for it. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think I see a lot of times on the internet, especially with how much time I, I spend on TikTok, just people talking about mental disorders a lot more freely than they used to. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard, especially with, with people with like ADHD, with, with autism, I've seen TikToks of like, oh, if you like blink your eyes twice in the morning and you have like autism, it's just like all, all these random We shit. all have autism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think that, you know, some people are, we're trying to make it more acceptable to, to speak out about these disorders, but I also think people are generalizing it. I think people diagnose themselves. I, I see mm -hmm. that a lot. Um, I'll have kids say like, oh yeah, I saw a TikTok. Like, I think I'm on the spectrum and I'm like, people oh. love to have an excuse. Like mm. that sounds bad when you say it, but people mm. love to be like, well, I have this, but I mm. still did this. So mm. I deserve this amount of credit. Mm -hmm. I deserve yeah, this amount have, like, of clout. A story. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. People love to have like a story. Yeah. And it. it's, and it's hard to say, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say if that person does have ADHD, if they don't, but it's, it's not, I think it's just more socially acceptable to diagnose. But I, I also think that it's, it's beneficial that we have this info out there because seeing a doctor, seeing a therapist, it's not always super accessible. So mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes helpful when kids can kind of look into it, can kind of, I mean, it's, it's hard when they don't have a trained professional, but try to get some more or less answers because right now, if, if you want to see a psychiatrist, you're going to wait a year. If you want to see mm -hmm. a doc, it's, it's all of these things. So I think that there can be benefits to having all of this info online, but there's a lot of downfall with it too. So I'm guessing in the last 10 years, eating yeah. disorders are probably percentages have gone way up, right? I would guess so, yeah. Probably correlating with the rise of social media yeah. and stuff going on there. And COVID, yeah. And COVID mm -hmm. and everything yeah. like that. And the problem with social media, especially when you got these, anybody, kid, adult, anybody, yeah. is when they're comparing people to them, they're just not honest yeah. about it. They're, yeah. Like they're not honest about what they're actually doing. They'll yeah. promote supplements they've never taken in <laughs> yeah. their life. Yeah. And they're on a bunch of stuff, but they won't say they're on a bunch yeah. of stuff. Uh -huh. like, like for men, there's been yeah. a big story the last two weeks. Do you know who the liver king is? I think I've seen, is a have you posted him? I, I, I was probably okay. posting to make a fun okay. of him, but he's a popular influencer 
jacked up on all sorts of steroids, yeah, but yeah. he convinced everybody he was just eating nothing but meat mm-hmm. and liver and all this stuff. And he got mm-hmm. exposed for being on steroids. Yeah, and a yeah. bunch of people were like, they were coming out and they're like, oh my God, he fooled all of us. Like, yeah. But anybody with an education was like, no shit, he was yeah. on everything. But yeah. kids obviously yeah. don't know that. Yeah, So exactly. it's like if we could somehow get some more honesty in social media, yeah. maybe it would help yeah. these kids yeah. to realize like. Exactly. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, even, you know, with, with my fitness background, I think it's so hard to tell when people have surgeries. Like I mm. still, especially with like BBLs, sometimes they're obvious. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're it's pretty they're, obvious when they got a big ass and no quads. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I try to look for. But then sometimes it's I don't, it's I've I've seen people like they have made videos like saying and and everyone's like I couldn't tell like and I I try to look for it, but sometimes you really can't tell what people have done. So I think surgery is just tough another. with the female world too because yeah. you got the BBLs. Yeah. But then a lot of these girls and this is I'm speaking very bluntly here, but it's just yeah. the truth. A lot of them have boob jobs yeah. because yep. when you get to a low percentage of body yeah. fat as a girl. Yeah. It's one yep. of the first things to go. If you see yeah. a girl with an ab outline yep. and big boobs, like yeah. those are fake. That's yeah, just the exactly, way it is. Exactly. But yeah. kids don't know that. No, exactly. Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah, and especially with like liposuction, which is every everything you can do, and and yeah, and then you just add on Photoshop on top of that. Yeah, it's, the Photoshop. What you're looking at is not real. So yep. yeah, yeah. I remember when I used to work with First Form. This was like six years ago. Mm-hmm. I like went to one of their. Uh, they invited me out to one of their athlete conventions and yeah. everything. And I'm not kidding you. Everybody that I met in person, mm-hmm. they didn't look like they did on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, where'd, where'd your veins go, dude? Yeah. Like, yep. mm-hmm. like what's, what's going sad. on here? Yeah. Like, you know, girls, they're, clearly their waists were not as small mm-hmm. as they looked at that yeah. time. And yeah. just every, and I'm talking every athlete, their most well-known yeah. one yeah. to just one who I had just been barely interacting with yeah. online. Like yeah. everybody looked different. And it's sad because, you know, it's, it's marketing. They're, they're mm-hmm. marketing themselves as, as the product. But then I also kind of wonder, like, how, how bad of a headspace you have to be in to constantly edit all of your pictures. Like, that, that must be so taxing to say, I'm not happy with this. I need to alter this yeah. in order to post it. The fakeness of it is what drives me nuts. Because yeah. usually these people with these, these images, if you look mm-hmm. at the caption on the photo, it's mm-hmm. something inspiring. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And it's like you're kind of inspiring but at the same time like you're bullshitting people yeah, like, and, yeah. the the liver king guy he did mm-hmm. his public apology mm-hmm. and he went on this weird rant about the mm-hmm. reason he did it is because young men struggle with depression more than ever and he wanted to show them a better way and it's like okay so you got this kid whose life is already jacked up enough where he's contemplating suicide that's mm-hmm. how down yeah. bad he is yeah. he sees you gets motivated by you decides he wants to look like you so he takes your supplements eats liver Ends up not looking like yeah, you because exactly. he's not taking what you're mm-hmm. taking. And you yeah. think that that's going to help his depression? Yeah. Like, you're going to send that kid yeah. way further down. It's and that's bullshit, what, yeah. yeah, that's what you're seeing with a lot of the influencers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's toxic. Do you get yeah. a lot of kids that are, like, actually showing you in fitness influencers online and showing you, like, this is what I think I should look like? I haven't, you know, I... With with kids, they'll want to show me things. I I don't really care too much about what they're. I know I know what they're looking at. I know mm. it's all of these photoshopped images. I will say I've heard you know a few names in general. I don't know you know I I don't think what people are trying to do isn't necessarily toxic. I know like do you know who Chloe Ting is? Mm-mm. She and I I haven't done any of her videos, but she you know markets. She has like these thirty minute like fat blasting core workout things where like mm. kids will just do a shit ton of like Chloe Ting workouts and they they want to look like her they want to tone their thighs they want to get a thigh gap like things like that so I've heard that name thrown around a lot because, thigh gaps like 90% of the time are photoshopped yeah and, and kids don't realize exactly it, yeah. exactly yeah 100% so I've I've heard people mention kind of her workouts and and I've never done her workout I don't think it's anything where she's making kids do like 20 
million burpees or any, but I think it's false advertising. Mm -hmm. I think she's saying like, lose your flabby arms or whatever. Well, anything that's marketed as toning is yeah. false advertising because yeah. the body doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. Doing 100%. a high, there's doing, I can do a hundred bicep curls. Not going to yeah. make my arm any more yeah. toned. It's yep. just all about muscle hypertrophy yeah. and yep. recovery and stuff yeah. like that. So yep. anything like that, kids just got to be aware. Like yeah. not even exactly. adults too, because yeah. adults all the time come up and yeah. they're like, I want to tone this. I yeah. want to, yeah. I want to spot reduce here. And yeah. Yeah. All those TikTok videos, they're always marketed to spot yeah. reducing. Yeah. Yep. Always exactly. get rid of yep. this area, mm -hmm. enhance this area. Yep. So and it's always not... fast, dude. In 30 days. Dude. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I had uh, a Rock Shabazz on a couple of weeks ago. He's mm -hmm. a prominent bodybuilder, mm -hmm. but he was talking about in the bodybuilding world, a big problem is people want microwave results. They want instant results, instant oh. gratification. Mm -hmm. They don't see that before he did his first show, it took him five years of training oh, yeah. to get uh -huh. on there. Yeah. And I'd assume it's got to be the same thing with these mm -hmm. kids, obviously not mm -hmm. to, but the same thing where they yeah. look at these get abs in 30 yeah. minutes videos. Yeah. They do it for a week. They don't have abs. And all yeah. of a sudden they're like, well, I guess I can't eat anymore. I mm. got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a snowball for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see things kind of here and there, but especially as kids get more starved, it's, it's definitely a snowball that the rules that they have get more rigid. They do more extreme things. Yeah. yeah. It's it more and more extreme. Yeah. It's like the most extreme thing you've seen a kid do. Oh God. Um, I've seen a lot. I've had kids work out for five plus hours per day. I've had kids like walk basically marathons, um, per day. Trying to think. I've just, I've had kids just like not eat ba in, mm. for, for days, for weeks. I've had kids purge everything that they eat. So even if they are eating, and we, we try to educate on purging too. You, you know, you think that you're throwing everything up. You're, you're not. A lot of it gets digested. So that's something that, that we try to kind of fact check too. Um, kids using laxatives, just a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've heard everything. And then kind of on the flip side, I've heard kids binge a lot of things too. I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that could shock me basically to, to hear. And we try to be non-judgmental. I'm never judgmental. I, you know, I, like I said, there's nothing that could shock me. So I think a lot of times these kids feel the, this shame to, to talk about what they're doing. Um, and yeah, I've heard extreme cases of binges. Yeah. Especially with, with purging too. I've had, you know, it is, it's a, a thing that a lot of kids feel a lot of shame about. So they feel shame telling me, sh telling their parents. I've had kids hide their vomit bags, basically mm. like in their bed, they'll vomit into like a Ziploc bag. They'll hide it just because they feel so embarrassed. They, they won't, don't want get, want to get up in the middle of the night. It's, it's just, it's shame. So I think the more and more we, we normalize it, you know, what I say is like, these are symptoms, you know, if, mm -hmm. if you had cancer and you were having a flare up, that would be your symptom. If you have epilepsy and you have a seizure, that's the symptom of, of epilepsy. These are all symptoms. It's nothing to feel shameful of, but they're, they're not positive symptoms. We, we want to fix them. So we want to, you know, make sure we're airing it all out as much as possible. The more they can tell me, the more we can help fix it essentially. So yeah, like I said, I've, I've had kids who will tell me in therapy, like, oh, I had food this weekend. I, I exercise secretly in my room. And I say like, thank you for telling me, you know, I appreciate mm -hmm. that. We'll keep working on it. Things like that. So I've, I don't, like I said, I don't think there's really anything that could su surprise me anymore. What do you do when a kid is like clearly lying? Because we're humans, we lie. Like mm. all of clients who they're like, oh, yeah, I worked out this week. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, you didn't. I know you didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, and kids, like, it's awesome if they're honest with yeah. you. But what do you do when you can tell that they're clearly still having problems, but they're giving you yeah. that front of, no, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm fine. Do you just, like, try to keep talking and keep digging deeper? Mm -hmm. I think it depends kind of where they're at. If they're in the hospital, if they're malnourished, if I'm just kind of meeting them for the first time. 
there's not a lot I can do. I, I, I usually say, you know, eating this, I give them a lot of education about eating disorders. It distorts the way that, that you think. Um, so I, I, I say that a lot of times the eating disorder will get people to lie or get people to be untruthful in order to protect itself, essentially. It's, it's like someone protecting its secret. It feels bad telling a secret on, mm -hmm. on the eating disorder. So I try to explain that as much as possible. I think if it's, you know, a, a kid that I've worked with longer, I can do a little bit more digging, but you know, I think that we, we just try to keep educating and just try to, to keep going. I think with, with eating disorders, I don't know if, if I'll ever get someone to tell the exact truth the first time I'm meeting them. I think later on I can get that a little bit more, but I kind of just try to meet them where they're at, try to do education. Um, I think what can be helpful is sometimes in the hospital, kids will be purging, making themselves throw up. We can see that in their electrolytes. So I think mm. they'll, they'll tell me a lot of times, like, nope, I'm not throwing up. We can use the data in that sense. Like, we can yeah. see your electrolytes are off. There's no other reason your electrolytes would be off except if you're purging. So in that sense, that's helpful to, to have the data. But, you know, we've had sometimes nurses say, like, oh, it looked like they were working out in their room. Sometimes they deny it. It's, it's hard. It's like a he said, she said type situation. Yeah. So then I, I just try to educate, like, you know, you need to rest your body. We, we try to compare it to like a sports injury. If you, mm -hmm. you know, had a broken leg and you were in the hospital, you'd probably fuck it up more by exercising, essentially. So we, we try to use comparisons, things like that. But it's it's tough. I just try to meet them where they're at. Sure. What's it's like the number, because you obviously talk to a lot of parents yeah. in your job, what's like the number one advice you give them? Like what's step one mm. for the parent? Yeah, I think educating about eating disorders too, um, just knowing that it's not something their kid is actively causing. Because I think, I, and I think it's valid, but I think parents get really frustrated. It's, mm. it's a really frustrating disorder to, you know, they, they say, it, just just eat. Like, why can't they just eat? I, right. And I, I see their frustration, so I, I get that. But just trying to educate that it's not them doing it. It's, it's the eating disorder. That's That's why there's this whole disorder. There's this whole field that people go into. So I think just doing as much research as possible um, and then just, you know, kind of trying to unlearn a lot of rules that, that they know. I, I know I've, I've worked with so many parents that have said, you know, they try to give them healthy, clean, you know, X, Y, and Z type foods. But, you know, we, we try to break that as, as much mm. as possible. We, we, you know, food is their medicine right now. You can't be giving them like lean cuisine, diet type foods. They, their body needs so much more than that right now. Right. So I think starting with that and then working on it from there. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is it is the conversations with the parents the toughest? Because when you train, mm -hmm. when I've trained or coached kids, yeah. kids are easy. Talking yeah. to the parents is tough because parents yeah. all see their kid as like the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. It can, it can be tough for sure. I've had a lot of mixed feelings with, with parents. I think parents, yeah, it can be kind of the, the toughest. I think if parents buy into the eating disorder, like if, if they you know, trust what we're telling them. I think it can be easier to, to work with them. I've had parents still deny that their kids have eat, eating disorders. Mm. And I'm like, your kid is in the hospital with a 20, 30, you know, beats per minute heart rate. Like it's, it's, it's objectively, they're not healthy. It's, yeah. it's really scary. And they say, no, they're just an athlete. Like, I think that there's definitely been parents that don't buy into it, um, mm. which is, is really tough. Um, so I think if we can get them to buy into it, and I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm selling a product or anything, but a lot of, they, you know, sometimes people just don't believe that their kid has They're just in denial. Yeah. yeah, they're in denial. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So, yeah. yeah. It's probably similar to the dad who... His kid's just not very good, but he's asking the coach, mm. like, he's the best player on the team. Yeah. Why isn't yeah. he playing? And yeah, like, exactly. I don't know how to tell you this, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that the sure. most challenging part of your job is just communicating with the parents? Yeah, I think that that can be. And I think just seeing how frustrating the eating disorder is, too. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I've seen, I've had to sit with kids who are bawling, you know, 
having to, to eat kind of, and we start kids on the lowest meal plan as they come in, we, we tweak it in, in the hospital, but you know, it's, it's heartbreaking seeing that they're going from the starved state. They're, they're crying, they're lashing out. A lot of times when kids are younger too, they, they don't know how to process their emotions. So a lot of times when kids are eight, 10, even 12 years old, we see them become a lot more physically aggressive, especially with their parents too, because that's just the anorexia, just mm. freaking out. They, you know, their parents will say like, they've been angels their whole life. They've never hit anyone. They've never done anything. But the anorexia, when it's not winning, you know, we've had to sedate kids. We've had to restrain mm. kids because they're so physically agitated. They can't calm themselves down. Well, when you're hard. starving, yeah, and your, just, your trigger is a lot quicker. Like yeah. when I used to fight yeah. and then I worked security too, the bar that I worked at I had a mm. rule when it was within two weeks of a fight, I wasn't working because mm. Because my tri- I'd be cutting yeah. weights, so my trigger would be—it yeah. would take next to nothing to piss yeah. me off. Yep, so exactly. Yeah, for you're, kids, it's got to be—you're hangry essentially. Yeah, all, all you're time. just all the yeah. time. Like yeah. the littlest thing will piss you off. Yeah, exactly. And you can't calm down the way you can normally yeah. calm down. Yeah, and we're pissing them off five times a day. We have breakfast, mm. lunch, dinner, or two snacks, so that's five times that the eating disorder is, is getting agitated. So it's yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there? So there's obviously the big warning signs that yeah. somebody might have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Is there like a small warning, not a small warning, but a warning sign that most people wouldn't think of that they can look for if they suspect, hey, my kid might have an eating disorder mm-hmm. or my close friend or somebody like that? Yeah, you know, I, I've seen it in a lot of different situations. Um, I think that if, if they're starting to eat less, if they're starting to ask for clean, healthy foods, things that they've never eaten before. Um, I think if they cut out their favorite foods, like if they've always been a kid who liked pizza and they stop eating pizza, I think, you know, just making those small changes. If they're exercising more, I think if it's, you know, if they're an athlete and they're exercising, that's that's one thing. But if they're locking themselves in their room exercising, if they're exercising in secret, if eating disorders just have this secrecy to it, it's mm. it, you know, a lot of it just they, they want to hide it as much as possible to, to protect its secret. So if things feel like you're missing something, it's probably the eating disorder because it's good at hiding essentially below the surface. Um, yeah, and something that we see a lot too is as kids get more malnourished, they start to have more of an interest in food too. So they'll start cooking a lot more. They'll start baking a lot more. I've had so but then many kids. Just not then it? they don't eat it. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, they just they'll watch the cooking network. They'll watch pe- videos of people eating, just because their brain is starved. They 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 need to to see that to to kind mm. of fill that void a little bit. So I, I think that if if your kid is baking and they're not touching it, that's a red flag as mm. well. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the, the big ones. I think if, you know, if your kid, if you're worried, get them to see a doctor, get their electrolytes checked, get everything checked out, situated, um, and be kind of picky with, with your doctor, because I think a lot of doctors are not trained in eating disorders. It's, it's really hard to tell, you know, doctors have to know so many things. Eating disorders isn't one of them. So we right. sometimes have harmful things said yeah. by doctors, which is shitty, but yeah, yeah. Some doctor, I mean, not to bash doctors, they got yeah. a lot going on, but yeah. some of them just they're woefully uneducated about a lot of the nuances and things. Yeah. Like when I had my checkup for my bicep, uh, the doctor was asking like how I was able to do certain stuff. Mm. And I told him like, I'm taking peptides. They help mm. regrow damaged yeah. tissue stuff. Like he didn't know what a peptide was mm-hmm. talking to an orthopedic surgeon who yeah. didn't know it. And I'm yeah, like, and you're like, oh, like well, how do yeah. I know more about this yeah, than you do? Exactly. Like, yeah. it's, he thought it was steroids. I'm like, it's not steroids. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yep. it's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah. So if you're sending, would you, 
are there specialized doctors that these parents could make an appointment with instead of just going to see their general pra practitioner? Yeah, I would say, you know, if, if their kid has an eating disorder, we, we send a lot of kids to Melrose. They have doctors there who, who work with people. Otherwise, there are, you know, doctors who are kind of just out in the community who have more of an eating disorder basis. Um, I would say ask around. A lot of times parents will post in like parent forums, par like parent Facebook groups as well, just trying to, to figure out what's a good pediatrician, what's not. Um, I, I can't think of any of our pediatricians offhand too, but there's definitely more who have more of a knowledge with, with eating disorders, with disordered eating, and then some who still use BMI, who still are very right. kind of in that sense too. So. What are like, what are the telltale physical signs besides obviously getting skinny? Because like when yeah. I would cut weight, I remember um, people would always know when I was starting to cut weight because my face would get very sunken. Like I seemed mm. to lose weight first there yeah. for whatever yeah. reason. My face would get sunken and I can remember the whites of my eyes would get like, mm. not discolored, but they would, my eyes just wouldn't look right for yeah. whatever reason. So what yeah. are some like physical signs you can look for? Yeah, like in like a kid or like yourself or both. Kid, or any, anybody you think might be yeah. struggling with something like that. Yeah, I think, yeah. Besides, obviously, obviously they're losing weight, but there's yeah. got to be other, because yeah. sometimes people just lose weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're looking, I think it's hard to, to look on someone else because I think, you know, it, it can happen for a million different reasons. I think if it's if it's your kid or if it's yourself, yeah, definitely facial facial features, that, that can be for sure. Um, if you're losing hair, too, mm. we, we've seen a lot of hair loss. Um, if your skin is a lot drier, um, I mean, we live in Minnesota in the winter, so it's it hard to tell. But even in the summer, I think that that can be really tough as well. A lot of times with kids, they'll start to grow hair on places they didn't used to grow on, like face, belly, back, just they'll, as, as they'll kind of... grow hair? Yeah, yeah, wow. but it's, it's kind of just an extra layer because they're, they're skin and bone. So their body needs some, they don't have fat to protect itself. Um, so they'll start to get more, it's more like peach fuzz type thing um, on their face, belly, back, especially. Um, that's for sure. If, if people feel colder, if you're seeing people in the summer, like wear like bundling a lot up, of layers. Yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely a, a telltale sale, telltale sign. Um, if if you notice people are just physically like seeing feeling more weak too, just going from a sitting to a standing position, walking around. If you're feeling more gas, just going up the stairs probably aren't getting enough nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, with periods, if you are getting your periods a lot less frequently, if they're not coming at all, that's that's pretty serious. So it's, it, you know, it's usually it's not, a sign something's going on. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, signs like that, that can be kind of the, the telltale signs. I'm trying to think of other ones. I think those are, you know, probably, I'm sure there's a million that, that people can see, but I think those are some of the biggest ones. Heart mm -hmm. rates too, especially if you're losing a lot of weight really quickly, your heart rate can impact, your heart just gets weaker. So it just sure. slows down. So with, with adults or kids, like mm -hmm. their heart rate's obviously a lot lower. Mm -hmm. When they're working out, are they still able to get their heart rate up? Because on mm -hmm. days where, like I have some days where I just, for whatever reason, I can't get my heart rate up mm -hmm. no matter how hard I'm trying. Yeah. My body's just telling me like, hey man, you need to take a break. And it's usually a day where I've either been going too hard for that yeah. week or I haven't eaten enough or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine these people who are on the door of starvation, yeah. like your body's smart. Your body yeah. tries to do things as efficiently yeah. as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know, you know, when they're returning back to do their exercise. What we typically want is for them to, to be healthy enough to, to exercise, so they'll have to be cleared in order to, to mm. do that. You know, like I said, we, we see kids in their 20s, 30s with their heart rates. Um, typically, when they leave the hospital, their heart rates have to be in the 40s. That doesn't mean that their heart is healthy, but it just means that their insurance won't pay for it any longer, essentially. I think my resting heart rate is like 46 or something. Yeah, and and you're an athlete, yeah. and, and you, you know, I think that that's, that's normal, but I think that, you know, for, Not for normal kids. normal for a kid, no. Yeah, yeah, for kids, you know, typically 50 and above is, is you know, kind of the, the bare minimum. So we'll want to make sure it's returning there. You know, I don't ask 
kids, I haven't measured it, you know, while they're working out, if it's still able to, mm. to get up or not. A lot of kids, you know, they can rebound so fast. You know, they, they're malnourished. Once they get nourished again, they can go back without skipping a beat, essentially. So I imagine that they kind of return to their baseline. Mm. But I guess I don't have, I don't have data to, to back yeah. that up. It's just my, just my thought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I kept you for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, is there anything else you just want people to know about eating disorders Ooh, or about yeah. the field in general? Yeah. I mean, I think eating disorders, they're very complex. You know, like I said, it's, it's really not something that, that can, you can blame someone for. And I think that the media portrays eating disorders very differently than how people experience them. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen so many, you know, documentaries or just movies with someone having an eating disorder. The media disorder. seems to portray it exclusively as bulimia because it's always yeah. a girl going into yeah. the bathroom and throwing up. Yeah, and... yeah, exactly. And it just looks so different. I think that, you know, it's, it's not this skinny white teenage girl we're really seeing eating disorders in every single person like i said boys you know non-binary folks we, we see eating disorders everywhere so i think it's it's not just who you typically think of it's it's across all races all genders all is there more shame for boys do you think because it's not it's not a manly thing to mm. be starving yourself or to be going to a bathroom and throwing mm. up I, I, you know, I, I think it depends. Um, I, I think that a lot of times families bring in more shame too. I've, I've had a lot of dads who, you know, if they have like a football background, they're like, why the hell is he doing this mm -hmm. essentially? So I think that, you know, the, the families can bring more shame, but I think once we educate people about, you know, this is, it's a disorder, he's not choosing to do this, then I think they, they get a little bit more on board. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, really the, the biggest thing is just, you know, making sure that, that you don't have too narrow of a view on what an eating disorder is. Like I said, any person can have an eating disorder and it's something where you have to get help in order mm -hmm. to, to fix it, to cure it. You know, you can, you can do self-help type things, but if you're actively struggling with an eating disorder, reach out to someone, reach out to a therapist, see a doctor, you know, get, get support because it is like an addiction. It's, it's like any other mood disorder. If you have depression or anxiety, you're not just going to wake up the next day and not have it. It's, right. it's, you know, it's something where you have to get treatment for essentially. How many people die a year because of eating disorders? <sighs> you know, that's a good question. I don't have the number offhand. It was the, you know, eating disorders had the highest mortality rate out of any kind of mental health concerns for a while. Now it's mm. opioid addiction. So yeah. that's taken number one, but eating disorders are number two. You know, I've had patients who have left the hospital who have died and it's mm. sometimes by suicide. It's sometimes, you know, by the severity of their eating disorder, but it's, it's up there, especially with mm. anorexia. It's, it's deadly. It's, it's, you know, one of the deadliest diseases that a person can have. Yeah. yeah. So it's not something you want to mess around. No, you can't. Yeah. Can't fuck yeah. around with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause the media, I mean, movies and TV shows, they always make it seem like, Oh, this is a problem they had for, Mm -hmm. a day and then their best friend gave them a talk and they're yeah. all good now yeah yep yeah. and that's typically not the case not how yeah. it goes yeah exactly i wish i wish yeah. yeah i wish i didn't have a job because i wish that that was how, as easy it is but it's takes a long time yeah. right right well yeah. i appreciate you coming on i yeah. mean i learned a lot i'm sure good. all my listeners are going yeah. on a lot so it's definitely yeah. It's an area that needs to be talked about a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, for sure. You know, for like sure. a more realistic light, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. No cool. problem.